one and all, welcome to the Dub Talk Theatre for tonight's audio entertainment event full of laughs, thrills, and deep philosophical questions about man's relationship with nature. As our performers prepare to take the stage, a few house rules before we begin. One, tonight's Dub Talk Theatre will contain language and subject matter that is not, I repeat, not suitable for younger audiences. Yes, I know we say that every episode, but especially for this performance, despite the cute animal faces, there will be discussions of sexual promiscuity, abduction, and instinctual aggression, which is really not suitable for younger thespians. Viewer discretion, I repeat, viewer discretion is advised. Secondly, there will definitely be spoilers for the first season of Beastars and any other media being discussed. This is a performance about the entire season, so we're going into this with the expectation that you've seen the whole thing. Be forewarned if something you haven't finished is brought up. Thirdly, the opinions and words heard in tonight's performance are those of the individual players and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Dub Talk Theater as a whole. And last, and certainly most importantly, we aspire to foster positive human and animal interactions here in this sacred theater, so we just want to confirm that no animals, real or animated, were harmed in the making of this podcast. After all, animals are probably going to develop human-level intelligence soon, so we just want to make sure we're on the right side of history. <clears throat> Without further ado, the Dub Talk players are proud to present Beastars. And with that, let us start with the show that launched a million furries. <clears throat> the Great Mouse Detective? Oliver and Company. Rescue for this Rangers. Generation, for this generation, there was no nudity in The Great Mouse Detective. There was some in The Rescuers, so maybe you're right, but there wasn't in this... I'm getting off topic here. Damn you, Disney! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a bunch of animal experts get together to talk about the latest and greatest in Japanimation dubs that have come out for you. And as you may have noticed from the dance sequence, the howling, and the abundance of fur in the audience here, we have gone full furry for tonight's episode. It's the one episode that everyone's been talking about and will probably continue to talk about as they learn more things about themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to talk about Studio Orange's Beastars. How are we all doing tonight? Uh, ready to embrace Rough. my wild side. Hey, no, no, spray Yow. bottles. Spray bottle, spray bottle for all, not all, Jet, you're fine. Megan, spray bottle, spray bottle. Uh, harder, daddy. Get. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, would you quit humping my leg? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> Ten seconds in, uh, already a mental image that we can't get back out again. Thanks for that. I wasn't doing anything, that's your own fault. I could have been churning butter. Churn like that butter, bae. Wholesome uh, the... Amish girl I am. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so I'll picture that. Wholesome Amish girl with a laptop. I want you all to picture that. I want you, I want you to picture a palace cat in a bonnet and an apron, just churning butter in a backwoods cabin location. And if you know what a palace cat looks like, that is the best mental image. Also, uh, Netflix released the butthole cut of Beastars. <laughs> I think there was more than... I mean, if you're watching the show, there's a warning on it, but 
For the record, for anyone, in case you did not know this, this is not a show that you can show to a younger audience. Yes, there are cute animals in it. No, you cannot show it to your young kids. I learned that the hard way when I got to episode two and my son happened to be in the room. Ooh. Daddy, what's that girl doing in the shower? Oh, God. That was a completely different mistake. Street Someone... Fighter the movie was a mistake. You know what wasn't a mistake, though? What? Pop t -Beptic. Another thing that we will not talk about in this episode. Yes, we are fine. Okay, we're finally talking about um, the show that... Um, this is one of those shows that came out in the fall season of last year, but we lawful abiding Americans did not get to see any of it until just a couple of weeks ago because Netflix uh, had distribution rights to it and so they did that thing they did that thing that everybody loves where they held on to the material dubbed it but wouldn't release any of the content onto their streaming service until the whole thing was ready to be released and so that's what we're talking about today and uh so b stars you may be wondering you may be wondering first of all what is it about um basically it's zootopia but set in high school well, it's a little more complicated than that. Beastars takes place in a world where uh, anthropomorphic animals uh, go to high school together and have an entire society. And it focuses predominantly on the main character of Legoshi, who is a gray wolf who is second year in high school, is a member of the drama club, and is unfortunately coming to terms with his animalistic desires to devour, and that could mean more than one thing, depending on how you look at it, uh, the character of Haru, who is this... Uh, white dwarf rabbit who is also a little promiscuous and has a bit of a history and their entire interactions with their classmates who are all animals battles with carnivores and herbivores learning to coexist with each other abductions festivals devoted to dinosaurs battles with tigers and all sorts of shenanigans that you would normally see on your regular cw show i mean we've all seen supernatural right i mean uh, i wish to forget supernatural uh, I mean, I haven't seen Supernatural, but I did watch, like, five seasons of Arrow, so I guess that's close enough. <laughs> Supernatural, yeah. Gossip Girl, The Vampire Diaries. I've seen the Supernatural anime. That doesn't count. Supernatural yes, does. does have an anime, and, yeah, what's-his-face is a voice in it? Is it Dean yeah. or is it Sam, or is it both? I think they're both of them. Yeah, uh, yes. I mean, all I know about Supernatural is that one weird Scooby-Doo crossover. That's all I know about it, too. <laughs> I love Supernatural. I, I, I've watched, like, a couple of seasons, like, maybe a season of it and just, like, a, a myriad of episodes. There's actually some pretty good ones, like, The French Mistake is really good. Isn't Team that a, Sam for life. French Mistake, isn't that a Blazing Saddles reference? You've never seen know. Blazing Saddles? I actually haven't seen Blazing no. Saddles. Oh my uh, god, and you were giving... Yeah, I am very uncultured, <laughs> so I have definitely not seen it. Oh, wow. wow. There I, are like... There damn, are two... I think my boyfriend's about to... <laughs> by the way, you just got called out! You just got called out by Brainchild, Noah! For what? For not having seen Supernatural? No! I can't fap the Pop Team Epic! You're just not trying hard enough! <laughs> Okay, no one listening to this recording has any context for that. That is solely a Twitter thing that's going on right now. We, Maybe our, we'll post up. We'll post a screenshot of that for context. Jackson, I hope you're editing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, okay, so the reason we brought up uh, the CW is that although the the art style for the show and the designs is um, looks very uh, uh, cartoonish in the way that it looks like 
uh, westernified animals the way that uh, you can see them in a lot of like Merry Melody and Looney Tune cartoons. The actual content is much closer to a high school melodrama. There's a lot of sex, hormones, um, abductions, getting your uh, leg broken, getting your fingers sold off to be eaten for $70,000. Just, you know, all the classic things that you see on the CW. Yeah, uh, yeah. I originally had this show described to me as it is a and it is a romance, a high school drama, a murder mystery, a psychological thriller, and it is all those things simultaneously. Which is not, which is <laughs> to be thanked for, and we should thank uh, the mangaka for this, a one Paru Itakoki, who uh, not only is uh, really distinct in the way that she uh, designed this entire world, um, she also goes around in a chicken costume. So Just the mask. That's just close the, enough. Just the mask, bless her heart. <laughs> But um, the like we said, uh, Netflix decided to pick up this show. And um, by the way, if you're uh, if you're maybe wondering who, uh, the studio behind this, yes, this is the same studio that created Land of the Lustrous a couple of years ago. That's why the entire show is in CGI, but very distinct CGI. Which there are plenty of videos out there about the production and the art design and the massive amounts of work that went into it. But we're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about the English dub. And that is why I have these, uh, my fursona people here. So, Megan as the palace cat, Jet as the sloth, Gigi as a unicorn, and myself as an otter. We'll dive into this furry fest to talk about the English dub of this show. Are we all ready? Yes, Dad. I think uh, you should actually refer to me as Noah because we're all about to get on Noah's Ark. Oh my god. I can't. I fucking hate you. Uh, I'm leaving this episode. Because, there okay, were no well, unicorns. I'm out. I'm out. Fuck this. <laughs> oh, you can't leave yet? It already flooded. Look, Ian Sinclair's not in this uh, anime. Not, okay, okay, Nora, we're going to have to have a chat with your wife. Yeah, we're going to have to have a chat with Jenny. <laughs> probably. Probably. There's a good chance that this will get me blackballed from the bed forever after this. But luckily, I bought a new couch, so that's okay. <laughs> Noah's gonna Noah's gonna get to know uh, his couch very well, and so will his dick. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. I'm so glad you're here for support. <laughs> Speaking of uh, husband and wife, um, the, let's talk about the staff for the show. Um, the ADR direction and script writing for this was also handled by a husband and wife duo. Uh, you have heard them before. It is Bob and Megan Bushels. Uh, they've done quite a few. Uh, Los Angeles dubs for anime before, and this is another one where they just, they handled both the writing and the direction on this. So, to pass off how we thought the direction and writing was, Megan, what did you think about Beastars? Well, first of all, I think that you should tell us some other shows that Megan and Bob have done. I didn't write any down. Um, okay, I could name Bob did you. Rave Master, because I just watched it. Uh, yeah, um, he, uh, those two have done a lot of, uh, recent stuff together. They did, uh, Double Man Crybaby, obviously. Uh, Bob's also done stuff like, um, Aja Demi-Human, Knights of Thedonia. Um, oh, they, they both did Violet Evergarden, too, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Thank you. Now yeah. I can speak. Not that I didn't know them, because they did Double Man Crybaby, an episode I was on. Um, I'll talk about the acting first because I, I do want to go a bit into the writing and the translation of this. Um, the acting on this is really great. I think that the the core three actors of the show absolutely carry it. And especially having Legosi being played by a newer actor who has done stuff, but not stuff I've watched. Um, 
not stuff I've watched. So this is kind of the big, and, and to give him like this such hyped project because everybody and their mom was waiting for Beastars to get out of Netflix jail. Now we're waiting for Brand New Animal to get out of Netflix jail because the year of the furry <laughs> at Netflix will never die. And yes, this is furry. Which, nothing wrong with that. Not, no, not so a... I think the acting on this is is really good, especially with Ligashi. I think that this had a lot of performances that were natural. A lot of this uh, captured a lot of the drama. I don't think that everybody sounds like a high schooler, but judging from the subtitled mm-hmm. version, no one did there either. Um, but the the only thing that's holding the stub back to me is the script. And this is not by the fault of Megan, but the translator, and I have a thread from uh, another translator who is named Katarina uh, Ludinakis, who has done series, uh, you you might know her name, Uh, she's done translations for series such as Obadens in Your Savage Season, Uh, I believe she did the Udafri movie translations, um... She's done recently Persona 5, our, uh, Persona 5 The Royal and Gal and Dino. And of course, she also uh, did the full translation for the very, very controversial Interspecies Reviewers, which before it got pulled, those subs were fucking great, by the way. Um, but she has a thread specifically on, on Beastars, saying every time you translate a Japanese thing... Uh, that I cannot read, as a lot happen, God replaces a simple verb with three words whose usage depends on formality. Even ho- more horrible, this awful translation made it into the dub script of Beastars. A lot happened up there. My brain has been caught and my almonds were instantly activated. The timing the timing for a lot of these dubs lines are weird too. There are a lot of random pauses in the middle of sentences. I can understand why they tried to do that matching Japanese line rhythms, but it's just not natural in English. The line in episode 5, around the 17 minute mark, is particularly heinous in both translation and timings. So even if you're rough or crude, as long as you have conviction, that is the message. These two seem successfully portrayed that on stage. Here's another, feel free to mute the thread because it's about to get long. I tried, beat, to get over the depression myself. While I do think the way that the actors are delivering their lines are, are is can be pretty natural, the way that they're speaking is off and especially having another translator that isn't working on the project you can definitely i would take her her take with a grain of salt but also as another perspective and i do think that i noticed it as well the only thing is i really do want to check this translation in the dub script against the viz release of the manga which is being translated by tomoko kimura and the english language adaptation for the manga is done by annette roman I would want to check the beat the script against the Viz one because if the Viz one's a lot more natural flowing, but the thing is that manga you don't have to read in time with the lip flap, so there's its own thing. But a good translation team will look at the manga in light novels to mm-hmm. try to match up the translations uh, to be more consistent. Cough, cough. Looking right the fuck at you, Dr. Stone team. Good job. Um... So I think that this is a dub that succeeds more in its acting than its writing and its and its translation. It's really strong. Maybe one of the better ones that's come out this year. But the problem is it's the only dub I've watched that actually got to finish that started in the eligibility period this year. So yeah, that's a little awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... 
that, that could be a conversation for another day. Another day. Yeah. I, I will say, though, I do think that the voice of Legoshi is by far the strongest member of the cast. I mean, it would have to be, considering that he has about 75% of the dialogue in the show. He's got to do all the leg work. Want it, leg, Legoshi? Okay, off the boat. Off the boat. Go. Finally, I'm free. <sighs> so, Jet, um, how about you? What are your thoughts on the, the direction of writing? Okay, uh, so I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Splice Bread Dubs and uh, Bob and Megan's work on them. And that I think that they've generally been very good at utilizing veterans who don't show up in a lot of modern dubs like Melissa Fodd or Sidney Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a long while, they also had the tendency to cast like the same 20 or so actors in their dubs. And when I say 20 or so actors, I mean exactly that. Um, so it kind of made a lot of their dubs sound a little tamey after a while. Like, I mean... You could literally not go by without hearing Johnny Bosch in there somewhere, which kind of got annoying after a while. That kind of got annoying after a while. Mm-hmm. And it also meant that there was a lot of notable instances of double casting. Especially with this show, and I'm pretty sure that Netflix decided to make this dub union-based, probably how to play a big part in that. Uh, we got a much wider range of talent for this dub. And uh, it has a solid balance of fresher talent with a relatively new face as a lead. Uh, while also oh, making good yeah. use of while also making good use of veterans, right down to featuring an actor we haven't seen in anime in over a decade. Uh, there's still some double casting here, and that can get like a little annoying at times, but for the most part, it's generally kept to background characters. Mm-hmm. And all the performances are strong enough that it's pretty easy to ignore that after a while. Yeah, there is one instance that we're going to talk about where um, that the exact two characters that the person plays in the cast um, is just very funny, um, only in hindsight. Even if I don't think they sound similar to each other, but um, it's not, I don't think this is like a Last Exile situation where the double casting was so similar between characters that it made it difficult to differentiate the two from each other. Uh, yeah, and I'm pretty sure I know exactly which character you're talking about, too. Y- yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I am blanking, but... Like... Uh, uh, you'll, you'll probably know when we talk about it. Uh, okay. Okay, uh, anyway, uh, there are some times when a vocal director felt a little constrained by them trying too hard to match mouth flaps at the expense of something natural, which is a pretty consistent thing with Bob and Megan's work. Uh, but it hits far, far more often than it misses. And the actors generally only got stronger and stronger the deeper we got into the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for the script, uh, well, I'm generally the guy who complains a lot when adaptive scripts get a little too liberal for their own good. I also get just as annoyed when dub scripts are like a direct one-to-one translation so they can make yeah. things sound a little stilted and awkward. And the scripts here kind of fall into the latter category. Uh, that made things a little rougher than I would have liked for like maybe the first episode and a half or so. Uh, but thankfully, the actual material of the show itself is generally strong enough to make up for that deficiency. And like the ending itself, it generally got stronger the deeper we got into the show. I still probably would have preferred a slightly looser script, uh, but I definitely got a lot of enjoyment out of it by the end. Uh, nitpicking aside, though, I really love this. While there are certainly things I think the dub could have done a little better, uh, on the whole, it's uh, definitely the strongest thing I've heard so far this year, and it's... Uh, probably it's a double bed crabby for my favorite spice bread dub. So good job, guys! Wow, and you're actually one who keeps up with a lot of the the more recent the actual symbol dubs coming out, right? So you can actually attest to all this most of the stuff coming out so far in 2020, right? Uh, I haven't seen everything, but I've seen a fair amount of stuff that came out this year. I, I, yeah, I've seen like I've started stuff, and I do think that there's one Funimation dub that is genuinely pretty strong. Uh, from what I 
started, and that has an actor who is an absolute fucking lock for my end of the year discussion. Okay, so and that's good that we'll have some competition because we, I mean, I would love for this to be like the strongest thing out there so that we have a lot of good things to talk about. But at the same time, I want to make sure that- I think on an acting, on an acting standpoint it is, I don't think on a writing and translation. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, I would definitely say that too. Okay. And I mean, I'll give a little leeway for them being so faithful to the original, to the um, the subs, just because there is a lot of dialogue in this show. It's it's kind of overwhelming how much of it is just monologuing in the character's head, which, you know, there are other shows that do that too, but... It's... Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, like, about the only reason I'm critical of this specifically is that, again, I've seen a lot of other Splice Bread dubs, and this is, like, a very consistent thing with them. So, like, if you had to pick one other Spike Bread dub that is, like, the, the tentpole exemplar of It's that. Devil Man yeah, Crybaby. Yeah, like, yeah, like Crybaby is exactly like this. Okay. That's... And I really <laughs> like the Crybaby dub. I really do. But there's also a thing in that... Again, I read a thread from another translator who isn't working on them with that that said, basically, it's like, they're using one phrase that, depending on the way that the person says it, can have vastly different meanings. Mm. And it's... It's a thing that causes issues to have awkward, awkward rhythm flaps in English where it's, they're speaking English, but they're not talking like people talk. Gotcha. And with, <laughs> we're natural, <laughs> natural English speakers. We could probably pick up on that pretty easily. People that, talk. I, fuck, God damn. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. You know what I mean. Do we? Do but, we? Do we? But they're animals. <laughs> Actually, that's that's one interesting thing you brought up, Jet, was the lip flap matching. Because a lot of times, it's a lot easier to match flaps to anime because it, that's all it is, is that the mouth, and it's like three frames going up and down, so it's very easy to match. This is a distinct example where there are not flapping. I think a lot of people would actually say that that's not. <laughs> that's that's completely the opposite because it's hard. Like, you look at Lego Sheep, for instance, or you look at Bill. Um, like it, there are instances where they do match the like where the beats are for their for the mouth flaps, but it had to be a lot more difficult than it would be for traditional anime dubbing, just because the animation on this is so more pronounced. There's more mouth movements, there's more jaw movements to keep track of. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess in fairness, this is like far from the first 3D CG thing they've done, and it's been like that with a lot of the dubs they did there too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, maybe it's just because they're used to doing things that way. Uh, on the flip side of things, from the two people who watch all of the symbol dubs to the person who watches things from the 1970s, Gigi, what did you think of this dub? I wouldn't say the 1970s. I would say, like, the 1990s, but okay. C close enough. Uh, not at all. Um, so, casting-wise, I... I thought they made some super interesting casting choices, honestly, and it was to the benefit of the show because i mean they bring in somebody like who's primarily based in texas who flew out or did source connect to record in this show mm -hmm. which we all know how i feel about them um but you know it it made it not as predictable i guess as other dubs that i've heard from the stuff that i've watched or been forced to watch on netflix um <laughs> like netflix strapped you down clockwork orange style and made you watch it you know i share a netflix account with a lot of people we watch things at the same time you know how it goes um it's true i i did watch this whole series with the subtitles on 
which were vastly different from the words coming out of the characters' mouths. So that kind of threw me off because not that I'm one who likes to have a one-to-one translation from the subtitles, but when the, the lines that they're saying are completely different, like for an example that's not in the show, like it could have been like, the sky is blue today. And another one would have said, the subtitle would have said, the sky is green. And I was just like, but what one is it supposed to be? (laughs) So I was just, I was very confused by that. Um, And you're right. They don't really talk like people. I was willing to give them a pass because um, drama students oftentimes don't really talk like people because they're used to the scripts that they have to memorize and perform. So sometimes we'll just be, you know, automatically going off into our own little worlds and talking to the walls in a British accent and saying all these Shakespearean soliloquies just because we can. <laughs> and then it like in, it, it, it like goes into our daily lives. Let me tell you, I've done that more times than I'm willing to admit using G-G- big words or strange words or yes. You're giving me like not, not terrible flashbacks to high school drama club, but not the best. Like it's not, it wasn't an unpleasant time, but thinking back, Oh God, were we really like that? And we no, were really like that. And no one stopped to say, maybe don't do this. No, never. And I was like that through college, too. So what do you know? What do you know, fam? I didn't think either one was necessarily bad or better either way as going from the subtitle translation to the dub translation. But there are lines and parts of things that I'm going to talk to when we get to specific characters that really did kind of rub me the wrong way. And I was just like, when is this going to be over? Like, can somebody else please say something, anything just to break this up? Um, So yeah, I I like that Megan brought up that thread that the translation might have been a little wonky because they don't, she's right, they don't talk like people. They kind of talk like actors who are in the middle of a play all the Mm -hmm. time. So... And see, I would understand that if the show itself was all supposed to be a play, like a, a play within an anime and kind of like a Pegliacci kind of thing, but that only really applies to the scenes where they are actually performing a show. Yeah, like, I don't think the show ever, like, tried to frame itself as, like, a play within a play. That's no. the issue. No, it yeah. never did. Like, half it, if it was something where it was like, this is a play within a play, like, that would work. But the fact of it is, is it doesn't, and... Like, again, I think this is a really good dub. There's something wrong on the translation front that seeped into the dub's- the dub. And that's not the fault of the actors, nor the directors. It is the fault of the fuck translator. (laughs) So, yeah, with all that being said, um, this is- uh, I'm not gonna disagree really on the writing portion of it. I didn't do as much in-depth research about what the original translations were. Um, I haven't read the manga yet. So if there is issues with the the translation and the script, uh, I kind of just accepted it as it was. It did sound rather uh, the writing itself did sound a bit unnatural in some cases, where like um, like compared to a CW show, they they sometimes they talk like people and sometimes they get a little more melodramatic, and you kind of accept that into your show. And this is just a very melodramatic kind of anime, so I sort of accepted that portion of it. But the acting portion of it, I want to say twofold. First of all. Um, there's not a whole lot of cartoonish voices in this, um, even though there's lots of animal characters, and you would think that they may lend itself to trying to have, um, I don't know, like a peacock-sounding voice or a panda-sounding voice, whatever that's supposed to sound like. Because you know we've seen all of our a lot of shows that 
or a lot of cartoons in the past where the animals exist as gags. Like, you got a giraffe character? Well, we got to have a tall joke in there. Or we got a porcupine? We got to have a pointy joke in there somewhere. But this is not that kind of a series. Uh, this is a series where all the characters are essentially people in their the way that they're treated, but they're also they have the skins of animals throughout the whole thing and because it's supposed to be more grounded in a real world society like they spent a lot of time talking about how uh animals get their food how they coexist with different sizes and so forth the direction choice to have everyone act like normal people no pun intended was the i think the smarter decision and because of that no, nobody gets like super comedic moments there's like one or two funny parts here and there but for the most part it's very straightforward and dramatic and for that meant everyone did really well like these are top-notch performances throughout not everyone like gets the most dramatic moments but everyone performs their parts well and uh, the, the only qualm I guess I could call with this is that it becomes a little difficult to tell the difference between some characters throughout. Um, there's a large cast, and we'll get into this, but we did, we're not going to talk about a lot of them because a, there's a lot of students, but not all of them have like distinct voices or distinct roles in the show that are worth devoting an entire section to them. But we may mention them throughout the entire discussion if there's like one or two we think are pretty interesting. So... On the topic of this entire dub, uh, it sounds like everyone enjoyed watching it, even if there were... Yeah, no, oh, I really yeah. liked it. Oh, yeah, no, like, I, I don't know why, if anybody would think that, like, I didn't enjoy watching this. I, this was, like, one yeah. of the easiest things I've ever had to watch. Yeah, it, yeah, I had a very easy time marathoning this, too. So that Do you know what this kind of reminds me of now that we're talking about the script? You guys remember when Dawson's Creek, everybody, like, was ripping on it because the kids talk like grown-ups? Mm -hmm. I remember. Kind of reminds me of that. Is it okay that I've never seen Dawson's Creek? I don't know you anymore. I'm sorry. I, I okay, like I never watched Dawson's Creek, but I do like I do have vague memories of its existence. Was was that like a thing that the cool kids were watching? Because I was never a cool kid, so I, I'm sorry. <sighs> never mind. Somebody will get that reference. Somebody will. All right, if you get that, get I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the Amanda Show parody of it. Uh, uh, yeah, that that I very much remember. <laughs> what the fuck's the Amanda Show? Okay, that's it. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> How do you not know what the Amanda Show is? Because I didn't watch Nickelodeon. Okay, okay, how, okay. How do you know it's a Nickelodeon if you don't know the Amanda? Gigi, have you ever heard the phrase? Uh, Case to Smith bringing the dancing lobsters. No. <laughs> I don't know you anymore. Got girl. Okay, everyone, as it says on the front door, show not your fangs, but your hearts. And my heart says case closed bringing the dancing lobsters. Let's move on, shall we? Uh, before this gets into any more I'm kidding. I love you, Gigi. I love you, boo. We will resolve this as we go along. Um, and speaking of that cast that we were talking about, like I said, a lot of student characters. We're going to talk about three of the student characters. Um, and again, we may sprinkle in references to some of the other characters throughout all this, but let's just list three side, uh, yeah, prominent background characters. Uh, first one we're going to talk about is Kai. Kai is a mongoose in the drama club who wanted to be the replacement for a character who unfortunately is no longer in the show and uh, is gets demoted to working with Legoshi in the uh, stage crew department. 
Um, so, and he also becomes kind of uh, his closest ally in the drama club throughout. We're also going to talk about um, Mizuchi. Mizuchi is a Harlequin rabbit who gives Haru a hell of a time because Haru is supposedly stealing Mizuchi's boyfriend. Uh, there's some questions as to whether or not she's stealing him or not, or if he's just an unloyal faithful jackass, but either way, uh, Mizuchi is filling the traditional anime trope of bitchy girl surrounded by two cronies who makes life difficult for our main female character. I thought we killed that all the way back in Revolutionary Girl Utena, but apparently it's still alive and well in 2020. And also, we're going to talk- But she's not a car. Wait for season two. By the way, did you know that the Utena movie is just the prequel to the Cars universe? God damn it, Megan. I don't Why want- Why am I alive? I don't want that mental image. Ciao. God damn it! Okay, I'm gonna break you. And you know how we're gonna do that? <laughs> we're gonna also talk about your favorite character, Megan. We're gonna talk about Legome. Legome is a chicken. Not just any chicken, but she's a chicken who sits next to Lego she, Lego she in class and also lays eggs, which Lego she doesn't know he's actually eating which raises a whole lot of questions about whether or not this world is like a one-to-one -one human allegory, because I don't know any people who are selling their eggs for egg salad sandwiches in the real world. I mean, okay, this is not an exact one-to-one -one allegory. It just kind of varies. In this case, definitely. Unless there's like some underground market that I don't know about, and I don't want to know about. Uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure like there's some like weird specific symbolism there, but... Or it could just be the offer so we'll get around, we'll never know. I mean, it's, it's going to tie into a theory that I'll get to at the end of the episode. But first, let's talk about who's actually playing these characters. Kai is, and I think, Gigi, this is who you were talking about uh, for uh, simul or, um, flying in, was Damon Mills. Uh, mm -hmm. Damon Mills uh, is, uh, most of you probably know him for his work in Funimation in Texas, but yeah, he's here in uh, Sliced Bread production. Uh, for what he's done before, you probably heard him as Lin in Hakata Tonkotsu Ramens, or you probably heard him as Jugo in Nanbaka. Season 2, when? Lego, I'm sorry, um, Mizuchi is voiced by Jeremy Lee, um, who's also done some things for both uh, Texas and California before. She's done things like Tamaki in Bamboo Blade, or... Mikiko in Devilman Crybaby, or her most prominent role before ever before, Pen Pen in the Netflix redub of Neon Genesis Evangelion. That is not where I thought you were going to go with that, but I appreciate it. Get in the fucking robot, Shinji! This is not a musical episode, but if it was, there would be a lot Not with that attitude! <laughs> we, can, we will talk about the amazing opening sequence eventually. I am swing dancing my way through these credits. Speak when does Shakira show up with the stripper tigers? <laughs> uh, fun fact, about, I'm stopping the episode to say this. Fun fact, Gigi actually came over to my house uh, last summer with Itchy. And while we were just doing nothing, we decided to watch Zootopia. And she noticed that the antelope character of Gazelle, the gazelle character was played by Shakira. Not by her voice but by her animated hips. Her hips don't lie. They do not. And neither does this cast list. Finally, Ligome is voiced by Reba Burr, who has done uh, quite a few things also in California recently. Um, she's Catelia in Violet Evergarden. She's Sasha in the recent Saint Seiya dub. And she is Numi in Knights of Sidonia. So... 
She's someone in SAO, and I don't remember if she's the Pontifex or if she's uh, the girl okay, in the fucking okay, library. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, she is the main character in uh, Gun Gale Online. I was going to say, I think we may do an episode on Gun Gale Online, so I didn't want to mention that. But yes, you are right. Oh, I keep getting her confused with characters and Alistization. I keep, what? For some reason, my brain was like, she's the bitch who's naked in the last half of that show. But she's not. That's somebody else. And I have to look up who that is now. Would you like to talk about these three characters, Megan? You know what? Sure, then I'll look it up. Um, so let's talk about Kai. Kai's a little weasel who was raised by hyenas. <laughs> and David's <laughs> delivery of that line fucking killed me. It's like, what was it? It's like something like the drama club all has weird stories. This one, this leopard used to be a, a girl at an exotic kink club, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just as weird as me, a weasel who was abandoned at birth and raised by hyenas. Um, <laughs> Ouch. And just Lego, she's like not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> but Kai is kind of also, oh God, I'll talk about that when we get to another character. But Damon plays the good, kind of aggressive, dumb, hotshot guy who's slowly just like, Man, fuck this. Also, does is my painting good? <laughs> like, he's doing a good job. Is that... Um, uh, who else did you mention in this section? I know you mentioned the egg lady, and I'll get to her last. Uh, Ter- uh Terry Lay Rabbit. The, the... Oh! The bitch! <laughs> the bitch rabbit, yes. <laughs> she did a good bitch! <laughs> um, she was every girl in high school I ever hated in, in in a voice, and I find it really funny that the other rabbit is trying to slut shame the rabbit. Uh, by the way, fun fact: her boyfriend, who keeps committing NTRs, played by Billy Kibben. <laughs> he is. He is. He is also. He is. He plays. He plays her. Just my favorite part about about that relationship is like she shows like. Just as when Haru, when she gets scared of Legacy coming behind Haru after Haru basically calls her a huge hoe. Yeah. Um, also, be my other favorite stuff. You're the reason why my species is gonna die, and, she, and Haru's like, hoes mad. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know if this is a one. Give him the old one to one human. Give him the old Allegra. Oh God. Give him the old Allegra Clark. Hoes mad. Um. I genuinely enjoyed all this. Also, before I go on, I'd like to say, I uh, I forgot to mention this in the casting part. I'm going to fight whoever made Brian Beacock play the Peacock. <laughs> Thank you. I knew we were going to bring that up because that... <laughs> I'm going to go now, fist fight fa- someone about to that. To be fair, to be fair, he's not a Peacock. He's a Peafowl. There's even a title card that says that. So you can't get... Enti- Shut up. It's a fucking Peacock. <laughs> you can't get mad. You can't get mad. Shut the fuck up. It's a Peacock. It's, I mean, if it was Brian B. Fowl, I'd understand, but he's, it's not. No, it's a Peacock. It's a goddamn Peacock. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe... He's a boy Peacock. It was just a coincidence. He's got... He's a Peacock who's going to rock out with his cock out, which is probably shaped like his corkscrew. God damn it. If it... <laughs> Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> Go. <laughs> so, um, okay. Uh, uh, Damon Mills uh, will be very quick. Uh, I honestly didn't remember uh, too much about him. Uh, Kai ended up being a lot less important than I thought he was going to be. But um, yeah, but I thought Damon Mills sounded very good here. Uh, he did a good job of, you know, kind of um, seeing in the background being, you know, very resentful. And I thought he did a good job of getting across, like, his frustration at, you know, um, at not being able to be a lead actor like he wanted to, and his, like, and his whole, like, uh, big resentment of Louie over that. 
Mm-hmm. And, so, and again, and uh, like Mac was saying, I didn't get a whole kick out of that weird hyena backstory that just kind of came out Oh of shit, nowhere. I never talked about the fucking egg girl. Fuck. Do you want to talk about the like the egg girl? Yeah, Raven Burr creeped the shit out of me out as Legome. <laughs> was it act? I'm sorry, Jet, but was it actually her performance or was it just the scenario? Scenario. I mean, no, Raven Burr was fine. Also, be before I go, the two girls I kept getting Raven Burr confused with were Lizzie Freeman and um, Maureen Price. My bad. Um. Okay. Uh. Moving on to uh, Jeremy Way. Um, she, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, she, uh, she did a good job of playing the suck-up girl you see in pretty much every high school drama. She did a great job of just being mean and suck-up constantly, and it was definitely very satisfying when Haru finally called her out. And, so, and again, while uh, there are def- and again, while the uh, real-world parallels here are uh, kind of hard to piece together... I assumed I assumed the whole endangered species thing was just a parallel for rich people, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I I think you may be right because yeah, as far as like a like a race relations there, I was like I don't think that quite works out because it's not like in da- we don't consider races endangered species. I don't think so. I, yeah, yeah, I think it may be more of a class thing than anything else. Like, oh, you're yeah. you're lower class. You you know, you come from the the boondocks, and you're trying to hook up with my rich boyfriend <laughs> who's going to an Ivy League school. Yeah. Okay. If there's one thing, okay, if there was one weird thing here, and I don't know, it's probably going to bring it up, but I'm going to because I it's kind of hard not to. It's okay. It's that they it's that they do briefly double cast Jeremy Lee here, and uh, the char- the other character she plays is Haru's mother. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that was like, so that was really surreal. <laughs> I, and again, I don't. You think they did that on purpose? Like, probably. <laughs> I mean, there's sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't know when I heard that. I was like, are they serious? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, I mean, I mean, okay, I mean, like, Jordan Crane, she played her fine. It was just really weird coming off of that character. I mean, it's not like you couldn't tell who it was. Yeah, so it's, yeah. And uh, Reba Burr, uh, give her her credit, because I know she only shows up for the first 10 minutes of episode eight, but, oh, no, I'm sorry, episode seven, but that, that's uh, such a standout part of that episode. Yeah, I said, I said, oh, yeah, I was saving her for last. Uh, I, said, I really like Reba Burr as Wagum. Uh, yeah, she only had one scene, but she did a very good job of that one scene being kind of weird. It's absolutely uh, being kind of weird about Legacy, about Legacy, you know, having her eggs every day, and I think, and weirdly horny about it. I think like she was like she was trying to pretend like she was trying to pretend she wanted, but she was definitely into the idea of Legacy eating her eggs, mm-hmm. which uh, may or may not have been a metaphor for something else. I mean, you will honestly never know. I do. I don't. <laughs> I really don't think it was. Here's my theory is that I don't think this is supposed to be like a social commentary show entirely. I think this is science fiction. This is like, like what's going to happen? Which has a lot of social commentary inherently built into it as a genre, but that's another discussion for another day. You are right. There, Yeah, science fiction is built to comment on things that are wrong about society or may go wrong in the future. But my theory is that 
Paru wrote this as a commentary of like, what would happen if animals develop cognitive thinking and built a society on par with humanity millennia into the future? These are the issues they're going to have, you know, like, how can the carnivores survive without eating their fellow animals? How are they going to survive with different size scales? Are they going to have pants that cover their tails? These are important questions we need to answer. I mean, okay, I mean, I agree with you there, but there definitely is some stuff. There are, there definitely are some clear things here about, like, you know, uh, race relations, puberty, and, you know, how society treats women, so... Yeah. There, there, there definitely is some sort of commentary here. It's just not the whole thing. It's not, yeah, and that's, it's, <laughs> it's not like Zootopia, where it's kind of a very clear-cut one-to-one parallel. This is, this is more difficult to piece together. But that's, yeah. that's kind of why I like uh, it. Yeah, same here. Uh, but anyway, I really like Remember, I kind of hope Lego shows up again, but if that was just a one-off joke, it was a very good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Gigi, you want an egg sandwich? Absolutely not. I hate eggs. Um, So, I guess I'll talk about the chicken first. Um, She's so damn happy about these eggs, and you could tell in the dub performance, I was like, this girl... This is like her one true calling is to lay these eggs and to have people enjoy eating them. And I loved it. Um, it actually brings levity to this whole anime that doesn't get a lot of levity, levity, levity or comedic timing. Um, when she <laughs> called, when she called Lego like, oh, sad brows, I fucking lost it. I thought the delivery there was like fantastic. I was literally laughing for a minute and I have no idea why. Um, she has a slight Valley Girl accent that works. I have Valley Girl accent that works. So good on you, girl. Liked it a lot. Um, let's talk about Mizuchi. Uh, this kind of felt like a stereotypical popular girl voice to me. Um, I couldn't tell it was Sheremy, which is saying something because I listened. I used to listen to her a lot, so I couldn't tell it was her. Um, she does a fun mean girl, but she wasn't exactly menacing as like all the nasty things they do to Haru. She just kind of felt bitchy to me, which was fine because I love Regina George from Mean Girls. And I was like, okay, this is Regina George territory here. And plus at the beginning of the anime, I really hated Haru. So I really <sighs> wanted to like support Mizuchi in anything wow. that she did. Wow. And I was on that train. Look, wow. look. Haru no. fucking cheated on her boyfriend. She explained like, what she the fuck, Haru. You need to stop. He kissed her. That's not cool. It doesn't matter. You stop that shit. You know he has a, a girlfriend. You stop that shit right away, Haru. <laughs> I'm gonna slut shame Haru because I can. In fact, that's the first thing I said when I was watching this anime. I was like, I'm gonna slut shame that rabbit because that's not cool. What the fuck, Haru? I say we're breaking our dub talk rule of only Jesus can kink shame or no, slip. no, Gigi can also in the name of in the name of B stars. Later on through the anime, my opinions changed about Haru, but at the beginning I was really mad because I was like, who does that shit? And why does everybody like this rabbit? She has dead eyes. I don't understand. Um, and then finally, we're going to talk about Kai, who is Damon Mills. Once again, he's a wizard. Didn't know it was Damon. He played a good little angry asshole boy, and he's a little jerk that you love to hate. It was it was good on him. I really enjoyed it, especially since I couldn't tell that it was him until Noah sent over the cast list. So, 
Honestly, I couldn't either because I, I, I knew I wanted to talk about him as one of the more prominent drama club uh, students. Um, and there's quite a few drama club students. Like, you know, there's um, there's Tem who uh, gets uh, murderized in the beginning of the show. There's Bye, his, Max. There, that's not Max. That's Kyle McCarley. Oh, that was Kyle McCarley. Bye, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck is Kyle? <laughs> well, that's not this Kyle. So I there's know. a lot of Kyle. <laughs> oh, shit. Hi, Kat. Honestly, my one of my uh, more favorite just one bit characters was um, Kibi, who is uh, the ant eater that goes with Le- uh, Legoshi to go. That get one's flowers. Max. That's no, Max. no, no. <laughs> That's Bryce Pappenbrook. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> as, as a project, as a project, gonna tell. I mean, like it wasn't. He wasn't exactly. Being I, I right? shut up. You know, my brain you know hurts. How, it's been a look, week. You know, I okay. Maybe it sounded a little similar to Max, but I've been watching a lot of Miraculous Ladybug, and he just used the Cat Noir voice for his uh, I mean, TV voice. That's all I mean, it is. I mean, like, and like, okay, and like, okay, in fairness, like, I have, like, again, listened to a lot of Spice Red Dubs, and they do actually have him use a sounder voice in a lot of those. So I have an easier time recognizing him there. It's not, like, it's not angry, Bryce. Actually, where is Max in this? I, I know he was in... I swear somewhere, to God, I... Max is in this dub some fuck. Uh, I, like, it, um, it... I don't think so. I mean, he might have been, but... Uh, so, yeah, uh, Damon's performance as Kai was um, kind of like the more uh, grounded uh, exemplar for the entire drama club, which, uh, you know, to credit for not having them be so melodramatic and over-the-top all the time, they're a grounded high school group of performers. You know, they're the ones who are more into it are more over-the-top. We'll, we'll get to Louie in a bit. Um, but Kai was very uh, believable as... You know, those of us who have done theater or anything that we've had to audition for before, we've all been disappointed before. And we've had that feeling of not getting what we wanted or what we thought we deserved. So I appreciate Damon using his, you know, believable, angry voice for this. Um, which, again, I could not quite recognize that it was him because it's just very different from what I'm used to hearing him in. But that made it more interesting. I really liked what he did with uh, Kai. And I, I do kind of wish that he was more prominent in the show itself. He kind of fades off the show near the second half. But for the first half, it was good to have around. Um, Mizuchi is, like you guys were saying, uh, it's just kind of a bitch. She's very, uh, b- it's a believable bitch. It's the kind where, uh, yeah, she thinks she's right. We know she's not right. But it's it's fun to have her around because you know you're not supposed to like her. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to like her. Like, maybe you were rooting for Haru to get dunked on, but I didn't think that we were supposed to be cheering in that direction. So, for, for Jeremy's performance on this, it was uh, it, it was good to have that variety because she was one of the more standout uh, female voices, I think, in the entire cast. A lot of the various characters sounded more muted and were supposed to... I think they were supposed to not sound too distinct from each other. So, having one that was more bitchy and high-strung was kind of... Uh, nice to shake things up a little bit and at Reba's performance as Legome is just fun to watch because like you were saying Gigi it added some nice levity to the show because th- that was the halfway point of the show we just had the big arc with the play being upended by Louis' injury and the second performance upheaval so we kind of needed a buffer between that arc and the abduction arc that came after that you know just good classic high school fun and I, I liked how she had like this cracklier speech pattern that was easily the most cartoonish of all of the characters that we meet in the show. So uh, yeah, I liked how we had that little bit of levity. Even if uh, she doesn't show up for the rest of the show, that was a nice little 
I, it feels like um, it didn't feel like it was part of the manga proper. Like, if someone knows more, you can correct me. It felt. I'm sorry. It, it felt like um, like a side chapter, like something that was just kind of a bonus chapter and that part of the narrative proper. Because you could have cut it out and nothing would change. But it's nice to have that nonetheless. With that said, so we talked about some students, and again, we can talk about more students later on as we go along. Um, and we could talk about Brian Beacock as Dom the Peacock, but we'll save that maybe for a little bit later. Uh, what I do want to talk about is some of the adult characters, because, well, we're going to talk about contrast here, because we got two polar opposites when it comes to adults in this animal world. We're going to talk about a good boy and a very bad boy. You guys ready for this? Yeah. I mean, we have to be. Yeah, boy. All right. Cause... First up, we're going to talk about Goin. Goin is a panda. Panda is a good panda. And he is essentially a... He is trying to help carnivores overcome their urges to devour uh, animals. Because, you know, in this world, even though society is functioning with the idea that carnivores and herbivores can coexist together, carnivores haven't gotten over their animalistic urges to eat meat, which sometimes leads to herbivores being killed. Goin is trying to help rehabilitate carnivores and becomes an ally to Legoshi, who's trying to get over those urges himself. And he also becomes a huge ally in the final episodes against the boss. Because there is a lion mafia group in this town who takes Haru captive to devour? I'm putting in big quotation marks here. Devour? We're not quite this sure. This isn't uh, an allegory for anything. None, none at all. Nope. I'm not going to go more graphic than that. But let's just say that the boss of the lions uh, thinks himself classier than he actually is. That being said, uh, Goin is played by Keith Silverstein. Um, you know, he's done uh, a couple of things that you may have seen before. He was um, Robert E.O. Speedwagon in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. He was Takeshi in March Comes In Like a Lion. And he's also been this gentleman thief character you may have heard of before. Lupin the Third in a lot of recent Lupin material. I'm not going to list them all no, here. I, like, okay, no, I, you made a mistake here. Oh? Like, okay, is here, so you cannot, you cannot mention he's welcome from Hunter x Hunter. Yep. <laughs> I haven't swing. I haven't seen it yet. I'm sorry. I bought that for you. How far are you? I haven't started it yet. I, I, sorry. I, I, you know what I'm really into right now? I'm really into Samurai Pizza Cats. So once I finish that, then I'll jump on to Hunter x Hunter. So when are you going to start that copy of Sarah for the end I got you? That's coming up as well. All you need to know is does that he, Keith Silverstein played the best villain of all time. And his name is Hisoka. As, okay, okay, I was gonna I was gonna say yes he did. He played Johan Weaver, but that's a that's a very close <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Swing Swing indeed. The panda swing. No, no <laughs> That bamboo is really large. The pandas need help swinging, remember? They do. They, they need to start fucking more. We, we need a, a pang bang, as they call it. I, do, I forget which late night talk show host I stole that from. <gasps> Speaking of stealing stuff, the lion boss is played by Kyle Hebert. Um, you may have heard him in some things before. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone here has seen the show Bleach, but I think he was in that show. Um, you know, he played uh, some character called Aizen or something like that. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe the younger kids haven't seen that show. Uh, no. Don't worry, it's coming back, kids, and you'll get to experience the horror that the manga readers did. <laughs> 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 ah, yes, all according to Kekaku. 
Keikaku means plan. <laughs> Thanks, Light Yagami! Ah, <laughs> uh, memes. They don't die, they just evolve. And now for my next act, I will now proceed to pleasure myself with this fish. That I believe that is a reference to Code Geass, am I correct? Oh no, not this shit again, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's another That's a... good Code Geass bad, sub, bad fan sub. That's a, the... I've only, I only know that that screenshot. I need to find Oh No Not This Shit Again because it's just Char- It's just from the opening and it's his dad standing there with that in like rainbow subtitles. <laughs> it's kind of mere. It's kind of magical. I, I feel like the only thing that people who haven't seen Code Geass should know about it is the Pizza Hut AMV. That's the only thing you should know about it. Honestly, that's the only part of Code Geass worth watching. Uh, and nothing to do with tables, right? I mean, I like, I like, okay, you need to know tables, and you need to know Crispin Freeman <laughs> screaming orange every five seconds. Soup orange! <laughs> soup store. You gotta go to the soup store. Oh, yeah, you also gotta go to the soup store. Okay, th fine, fine. Actually, was Kyle Hebert in Code Geass? Uh, yes! Probably. He was in Brothers Conflict. He <laughs> yes, was. he was! as the hottest he brother! Was. I'm going through his cast list now, because I wrote down some things he'd been in, but since we're talking about Code Geass, I'm seeing if he was in that, and I don't think he was. Damn it. So, um, so he's, he was uh, in the far superior giant robot show, Gurren Lagan. There you go. He's Kamina <laughs> in Gurren Lagan. That's, that's all you need to know. Anyways, Megan, these two adult characters who basically show that the world is awful outside of the school grounds. Um, let's talk about the boss first, who is totally 100% not an allegory <laughs> for sexual trafficking at all. Not one fucking bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not one fucking bit, guys. Um, there is no connection there. To, there to is absolutely Hader, no connections to, to him talking about how he is going to basically rape and eat har rape and murder Haru. Um, but only I, after. A, only after but a only bath. after she gets a nice bath. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a content warning on this goddamn podcast for a reason, and yeah, I'm ninety five percent of the reason okay, why. Yeah, like up until that point, I was like, I'm kind of surprised this show has like an R rating. And then I got that, I was like, oh, okay, that's why. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Uh, fun fact: so Roots came down to visit me a couple weeks ago, and while he was down, uh, this came out, and we of of all smart things decided to do watch this while my parents weren't home. No. And, and while they could have walked in on us watching the show, and he was sweating bullets through the entirety of episodes 9 and 10, mm. because he was afraid my parents were going to walk in. At that point, you probably should have just switched to porn. It would have been less awkward. At that point, I should have just switched to the dub of Konosuba and put my hands down my pants. Um... <laughs> That's a reference I... to another video on this channel. Um, but no, so I think Kyle Hebert did a good job as kind of this older lion boss guy. It, it, it's not a very memorable performance. I, I honestly could not tell who the fuck it was. Um, but you know who I can't talk about? Keith Silverstein as the extra angry therapist that no one needs. Um, he is an asshole. He is gruff. He angy. Um, but this is like the second Keith Silverstein role in the entire show. The first one is that asshole mouse that runs the school newspaper. That was him? Yes, that, that was, was absolutely him. I did not know that. Shoot, I gotta, I gotta look this up now just to verify. Get me pictures of her. Get me, get me, get me pictures of Lewis. 
Give me pictures of deer, man. Man. <laughs> give me pi I don't care about facts. Give me pictures of deer, man. Um. <laughs> now I need. Now I need cuts of that mouse as played by um. Jade. JK Simmons. No. JK I almost said JK. Thank you. I was, I was like, I couldn't remember who plays it. JK Simmons is JK Simmons is canon J. Jonah Jameson. Changed my mind. Um but talking about Pan I mean, the to, Man, be, to be fair, I'm sorry, to be fair, to cut it, yes he is, but honestly, the performance in Spectacular Spider-Man by Darren Norris is as close to that as you're going to get. See, every time you say Darren Norris, all I can think of is fucking Cowboy Andy. Well, as you should be. That, that's like his it's second. It's Cowboy role. Andy and Metalmon. Not not a single reference to uh, Fairly Odd Parents, huh? And as, I, mean, I mean, uh, I mean, you can make a Tiger Bunny reference. He was technically in that show. You could. Spiegel. I mean, if you want to go for the really obscure stuff, uh, go watch Bastard. That OVA is like really interesting to watch, considering Darren plays the complete opposite of everything else he does in that show and just back to back to the point about uh keith as the panda man yes. um he's aggressive he is very much the the no shits kind of character where you really keith's performance really does make you question does he have lego c's best intentions in mind uh also b that guy has fucking a bamboo arsenal and that's just badass um he bamboo does. crossbow holy shit let me craft that in animal crossing <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I genuinely really enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't say that Kyle's performance was super memorable. It did kind of blend into the background, but then again, like, the lion boss not having a name kind of doesn't help. The panda guy, I was like, hell yeah, I'm on board with Keith's performance. I thought he was aggressive. I thought he was, uh, it's, I, I legitimately was scared of him. Mm -hmm. Uh, so good job there, man. Uh, Jet, were you scared too? Uh... <clears throat> I didn't know scared scared was the right word, but uh, I was like, uh, he definitely had the right amount of grief going for him. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I will uh, probably start with uh, uh, with Kyle Hebert first as the uh, lion boss. Um, I, I actually could immediately tell that was Kyle Hebert, a because I think he had at least one or two other bit roles before then. As I, as I, and, also, and also because I am kind of a little used to seeing him do this kind of uh, deeper adult voice. As I am, um, I mean, he, I mean, his character wasn't, uh, I mean, the performance itself wasn't, like, super memorable, but the character certainly was. As I mm -hmm. because, uh, because, again, like, uh, what Megan was saying, uh, you know, totally not a metaphor for sex trafficking at all. Uh, and, um, he, yeah. <laughs> and it's not the last one we'll be talking about tonight. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. as I, and, uh, yeah, he uh, definitely did a very good job of making, uh, the line boss here sound, you know, like he was trying, like, you know, he wanted to, be, he wants to sound a lot more fried than he actually is, despite you know his tendencies being very, very creepy. And um, I was uh, definitely rooting for Paru to get out of there as soon as possible. Um, so it was uh, definitely very nice when a uh, like, she finally stepped in there. As I, uh, as I, uh, I mean, the way this guy got taken out of the story was uh, a little shocking. But, uh, 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 but Kyle uh, definitely did a good job of playing him for uh, the amount of time he was there. Uh, but uh, character I do have a little bit more to say is uh, Keith Silverside is going uh, because uh, that that was a very Keith Silverside role. Uh, he's definitely not his first time playing this kind of gruff character. 
And I thought that Dave Silverside, you know, did a very good job of making the uh, making him sound very intimidating. And I uh, like how the, and like how he is uh he is well intentioned in that he doesn't want Legacy to go down what he sees as the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I, but uh, it's hard to say whether or not he uh, has Legacy's uh, best intentions in best mind. Best interest in mind. Yeah. And, it's, uh, and, again, uh, and again, while they show is not, you know, a direct social commentary to anything, and it's like, uh, I feel like his stance, I feel like his stance uh, definitely does feel very much in line with how uh, interracial marriage was viewed at certain points in time, or, uh, it's, or you know, if you're uh, reading into a certain other readings, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe, may or may not be a metaphor for gay conversion therapy. I mean, that's kind of what I thought it was leaning more towards. Like, yes, maybe far in the future we will have pandas who are wielding crossbows, and that is something that we have to worry about. But I, I do think in this context it was more about the uh, the conversion therapy aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, that was the, yeah, that was the immediate reading I got from there. And uh, so, and uh, yeah, and uh, Keith Silverside did a pretty good job of playing that. I'm not uh, totally sure where the character is really going because he's. Yeah, because he doesn't do too too much aside from you know aside from threatening Legacy once and then you know help him fight a group of lions. Uh, so, uh, but I definitely am curious about him, so I uh, definitely hope we see more of him in season two. I mean, it's interesting that this is a school that has you know mixed herbivores and carnivores of all rate of all species, and yet we don't really see any staff members that are supposed to help as therapists or counselors of any kind like maybe the school employs them but we don't see any of them so legoshi doesn't have anyone to help him with his urges all he's got is his friends who say yes let us spend seventy thousand yen to bite off this guy's fingers yes hi- yes doping up on maybe, rabbit's blood is a good idea maybe in b stars the royal they'll add the therapist character ah uh, uh... I hate you so much. Come fight! Come fight me in the pit at Anime NYC if we're allowed to go. I'm very confused. Yeah, uh, anyway. I don't know what's going on. Can, can we get like one of those? Like you know, how ADV used to have pop-ups that would explain context in the dub for people who didn't understand uh, it. Like, like, uh, like, uh, like, okay, it's about the new version of Persona Five, basically. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. GG. Would you like to go, Ed? doesn't matter you don't get a choice go oh geez i'm sorry well all right well i know we're gonna talk about the lion because you didn't tell me until the skype call started so i didn't rewatch those episodes i have nothing to say i'm sure it was angry and not at all like mufasa like every lion ever should be (laughs) everything Um, the light touches is yours the circle um, of life it moves us all no uh, um, uh, I'm, pretty sure, light? I'm pretty sure if he said that, would have had some darker implications. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. When the light does touch Haru, that, that is going to be his domain. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ, Any, Noah. Anyways, back to sexual harassment panda. Um, hi, that's Hisoka, the- but it doesn't sound like him. Didn't. Uh, not stereotypical for a panda, because pandas are cute and cuddly, and I was kind of actually expecting uh, a cute and cuddly voice to come out, and it didn't, so I was like, alright. Um, it sounded kind of weathered, and I believed that he would kill me, so therefore it works. 
He has a fucking crossbow. Of course he would kill you. Listen. He also chained Legoshi up into his back room. Yeah, I was like, where is this going? And then it went not where I thought it was going, and I was disappointed. No, Gigi, you want to see that leopard in the drama club for that. And... Oh, yeah. There's like an yeah. episode one and three Kabedon. Just saying. That's why I started oh. watching Beastars. Uh, so you're right. Um, Kyle Haber's lion boss is not like Mufasa. Um, that that would actually kind of screw with my brain. So I'm kind of glad he didn't go that route. He he did go. Now for I'm kind of wishing he did. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Look, there there's some like there are a few things I can accept with voice actors messing with your brain. When Jim Cummings uses his Winnie the Pooh voice to read Fifty Shades of Grey at conventions, I can accept that. But Mufasa voice coming out of, um, I, I need you to take a bath so that you will be prepared for me to consume you. I'm not doing this to hurt you. Now take your clothes off. That would absolutely mess with me. Don't do that. You mentioned Winnie the Pooh and all I'm thinking about is when Gigi, Chris, and I went to Disney. <laughs> and we were on the fucking Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Gigi, you remember that? God, Pooh, you dirty bitch. <laughs> No, what was it? God, poo you sloppy bitch. Yep. <laughs> covered in honey, just covered. Honey? Oh, God. <laughs> That's the only thing I was thinking about was God, poo you sloppy bitch. Milne is spinning his thank grave right now. Thank you. Thank you, Itchy. <laughs> yes, thank also, you, Itchy. Also, pilot the, <laughs> pilot the Franks, Itchy, or we'll make Andrew do it again. God. <laughs> this is actually more entertaining than talking about this particular character because this character is no fun but it does represent the, the darker side of this world and this is a part of the show that I really like is that it's not just the story about the melodrama of characters dealing with hormones and onsets of puberty it's also the dark underside of this world where yes there is a black market where ant where carnivores can go to get actual meat from they say it's from recently deceased uh animals like from nursing homes or morgues for so you didn't actually have to kill anyone you know this is not tokyo ghoul levels of badness but this character represents part of the darker side of that and i think kyle did a good job of representing that element of it in a way that Definitely isn't for children. Like, follow that content warning. It's not just there for the tobacco and the nudity. It's also there for the implied almost rape allegory aspect of it. Um, as for a better character, though, Goin is a good boy. I mean, yes, he may not have... Like, at first I didn't think he had the best intentions in mind. But then he actually takes a lion to the nose to help Legoshi out. He actually aids him in his video game campaign to beat the boss at the end of it and that takes some balls so yes i will say go in is in it for the good he's a good boy um keith's actual performance on it i actually have a bit of a qualm with this he, it, he's supposed to be an adult but his voice is much closer to the high school students he he doesn't sound too different from some of the other carnivore characters that we meet like he doesn't sound too far off from bill tiger or uh, alba the bald eagle uh, I mean, okay, I mean, to be fair, those are just, like, really deep voices in general. I'm not sure how much deeper Keith really could have gone to sound more adult. 
it's not just the timbre though. Like yes, yeah, so, like the timbre could have been lower, but the, the timbre is fine. It's just the way of speaking. There's there's a gruffness, there's an agedness to voice that you can add to make a character sound older, or more importantly, a smoker because uh, going is a smoker. So I would expect him to have a like almost a raspier, uh, coffeeier voice to him. Uh, and I kind of I kind of thought he did actually. He did a little bit. I mean, that was, but but it was so light. You know, it was it wasn't uh, very noticeable. It was just kind of peppered into the performance for a little bit of flavor. Um, I mean, it doesn't really affect the acting overall. But when I had so many, when you have so many high school characters in the cast, and you get to the one who's supposed to be an adult character, you kind of want there to be a little variety in it. Um, but again, that's that's more of a nitpick. That's nothing against Keith's actual acting because his acting is honestly top tier. Like I bought the uh, the parts where he's kind of monologuing about what some carnivores did uh, when they felt so guilty about their um, their urges. You know, some of them lost all their fur because they felt so bad. Some of them uh, hurt hurt themselves. Some of them just could not deal with that guilt anymore. That was well delivered. So for that aspect, I think Keith did a good job. With that being said, we have covered the adult characters. Let's go back to school. And we're getting up to some of the more prominent student characters. And like I said, there's there's a big cast of students in this high school show. But we're going to focus on three of the more prominent ones. And those three are a puppy, a wolf, and a tiger. First, we're going to talk about Jack the Labrador. Uh, he is essentially one of the people in... People? No. Stop. I can't do that. He is one of the dogs in Legoshi's dorm, and he's essentially Legoshi's best friend. Um, and he offers a lot of companionship to him throughout the show. Um, so we're going to use him as kind of the representative of the other carnivore characters that Legoshi is friends with, and are essentially all very good boys. We're also going to talk about Juno, who did absolutely nothing wrong. Juno is a, another wolf in the drama club who develops a bit of a crush on Legoshi, and unfortunately... A bit? I love it, Juno. Uh, just a, just kind of uh, gets into a bit of a rivalry with Haru for Legoshi's affections, of which we will probably see continuation of in the promised season two. And also, we're going to talk about Bill the Tiger. Distant cousin of Tony. Who did a lot of things wrong. That he did. He did everything wrong. He is not great. He is grinding on my nerves because Bill, uh, uh, on one good thing he does is he uh, takes Louis's place as the lead in their performance when Louis gets hurt and does an admirable job of it. However, he is also doping up on rabbit's blood and essentially offers to buy a guy's finger because he's just that hungry for meat. Um, he's, he's not the best of boys. He's probably going to have issues later on in life, for which we will need our therapy panda to help out. So these three characters, Jack is voiced by Ben Diskin. And yes, we could talk about some of his Western performances, but let's keep it to just the ones that he's done in anime before. Uh, some things that you've heard Ben in before is he was Satoru in Erased. He is Michizu in Bungo Stray Dogs. And he was also uh, Joseph Joestar in this little indie OVA production called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Okay, okay, You're leaving okay, out okay, one okay, very okay, no. furry exception. Okay, yeah, Noah, I'll tell you about you. You forgot the most important one. If, it's, if you're going to talk about Kid Next Door, then just say it. Okay, okay no, say no. Hide up from a Let's Go. I mean, oh. I mean, okay, we're here talking about furries. How could you not? I, okay, you're right. <laughs> 
How could you not talk about the Western anime king of furries, Ben Diskins, and not bring up Haida? I didn't think that would be nice, okay? It, okay, yes, for those who don't Sorry, follow Scott Diskins from Team Twitter, Four Stars. I know you're an actual furry. That's not... Okay, talking about people's personal preferences is all well and good. We got to see Ben Diskins' conversion to the furry side in real time while Agretzko was airing, and it was glorious. Uh, we love you, Ben. We're, we're, I'm sorry, if this is disrespectful, I apologize. Here is our mailing address. Please send us hate mail. Let's see. Uh, also in this cast list, uh, Juno is voiced by Lauren Londa. And Lauren Londa, you have heard before as Kyoko in Madoka Magica. You have also heard her as Kyoko in March Comes In Like a Lion. She's done quite a few Kyokos in the past. Uh, she's also Annie in Funimation's dub of Attack on Titan. And also to the cast, we have Bill the Tiger, voiced by Keiji Tang, who I butchered his pronunciation of when we did the Anohana episode. I apologize for that. Hopefully, I'll get it right this time. Speaking of Anohana, yes, he is um, Popo in the dub of Anohana. He is also uh, Osamu Teza. Tezai? Is it Tezai or Teza in Bungo's Dazai. Dazai. Da, da, wow. Da That's a D. I don't know you. I don't no, you know didn't. you. You need to because you butchered that name so much. You have three seasons in a movie. But, uh, okay, it sounded like you were like three seconds away from saying Gonzabu Tezuka. I know. I was. <laughs> I'm sorry. Correct. Which would have been great. Which would have been great if he was a character in that show. Except for he's not a fucking okay. He's a manga kind, not is a literary author. author. He is. He's okay. Been, okay. He's, Except he's, for he's, nobody in Boon Goes Stray Dogs is hey. based off a mangaka. They are all yeah. based off of people who were like book Liter writers. Po yes. Or poets. Or playwrights. Yes, I understand. Yes. And I want to watch Bungo Stray Dogs, just based on that premise alone. I love the Reader Die OVA. I probably would love Bungo Stray Dogs. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Please don't murder me. Every <laughs> day, my... Too every day, every day, I sharpen a knife. Oh, Christ! No, I'm kidding. I have an entire <laughs> list here. I have a whole list here. I on, Here, on my phone, I have... And I quote, list of shows that Megan, Tacos for Jesus, highly recommended. <laughs> what? For Jesus? Tacos. Right at the top. Right at Tell the top. It. Tacos for Jesus. I keep forgetting that's a thing. If my mom ever knew I yelled tacos for Jesus, I'd be thrown out of this Catholic household. That's okay. You can. We'll welcome you into our Catholic household where we're a little more forgiving. Except for I can't. I need to be close. I can't. I can't be close to Elgin to keep my job. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Sorry, Jeej. Yeah, no. Elgin's not great. But tacos... Just get on Sorry, I it. just keep thinking about Lauren Landa. Sorry, I like her. <laughs> I like her too, so don't feel bad. Well, how about the Gigi? Would you like to go first this time? Sure, why not? Let's talk about Lauren Landa because she plays Juno, a.k.a. the best girl in the whole show. Fight me. I don't care what anybody else says. She is my favorite. Um, this performance... Arguably, she she did the least wrong of any of the characters in the main cast. I love her. Um, this performance was adorable, but it was sexy. It was innocent and confident. Um, this performance is just the best. I loved the B-Star speech that she gave at the very end of the anime. And I like how mm -hmm. kind of like salty it was gonna be like towards Louie except for the fact that he wasn't even there and I was like oh man that would have been great um I love the part where they um 
the two dance sequences, like Juno and Legoshi, and then Juno and Louie. And I love the contrast that she puts in her voice through both of them. Cause you know, she's like trying to get with Legoshi and she's like, is she going to try and get with Louie? Like what's that happening? And they're like, no, this is a rival thing. And I was like, oh, that's the best. Um, <laughs> Juno gets what she wants. Lauren Land is great. Uh, personally, I know her because she plays the new voice of Sailor Neptune, which is one of two that I really enjoy out of the whole Sailor Moon dub. Um, I love this so much. If she weren't playing Juno, I don't think I would have liked Juno as much as I did. But Juno is best girl. Lauren Landa was amazing. Loved it so much that I forgot who else we were talking about. The dog. Yes. The dog is a good we're talk- is a good boy. Uh, Lego she's best friend to the end um, I thought the performance was it sounded very wise but also upbeat um, and it brings a little bit of light to the show along with a little light to Lego she who needs it because he's like the dark emo boyfriend that I always wanted but never could have <laughs> oh, goes to hot topic way too much um, and then we have I can tell that you that you shop at hot topic <laughs> We have Bill, and I really felt that in his performance, he was going to rip my face off. Um, When he was doing the acting in the play, it felt very campy, but that's like the stereotypical way that an understudy is because they're so excited that the main guy got injured or got sick that you could have this part. So you have to like overact (laughs) in it. You have to like make sure that people know that you should have had this part in the first place. God damn it. No matter how terrible... That it sounds you think you're doing the best job and you're doing better than the original person, which he got great. Um, And also when Bill was just fucking around with everybody, I thought the voice was very genuine and very friendly. But Jesus Christ, could he rip your face off? That was pretty freaking scary. He has some anger management issues and also a drug problem. So who played him? Tang. Good job, sir. I'm terrified and also intrigued and Juno is best girl I'm done and that's another uh, that could be another parallel the idea of uh, blood being a steroid or some kind of drug Um, I mean maybe they don't have cocaine in this world maybe all they have is rabbit's blood I'm not quite sure well it already it obviously is some kind of drug because it makes the carnivores go fucking crazy when they it is totally meth drink it you know so, in, so instead of blue meth, we've got red meth now? Is, is there like a, a Breaking Bad parody going on here? When but did meth get a color? <laughs> you haven't seen meth. Breaking Bad? No. Oh, you would... I don't, actually, I don't know if you'd love it or not. It's, it, I don't know. It's melodramatic, but there's also explosions in it. I so don't like drugs, sure. so probably not. I don't either, but I like the show. Gigi, so. says, Gigi says say no to drugs. I do. <laughs> yes. Dare to keep off drugs. Dare to keep rabbits off drugs. Dare. Dare. Keep keep the tigers <laughs> off drugs. Keep the tiger. Ti- are we gonna somebody gonna make a Tiger King joke or is it gonna be me? God no, no, oh, no, no, we are no, not going no. there. What are you talking about? That no, no, isn't we're, the thing we're, that no, exists. no, no, no. <laughs> this is a sane year in which that did not come out. So no This is a Christian server. <laughs> Your Christian Minecraft server? <laughs> no tiger king allowed he came to my Gigi, mall I love you <laughs> what mm-hmm. he came to my mall once oh, just saying 
I guess I'll go. Um, <laughs> yeah, but please go ahead. Are you done, Gigi? Yeah, I've been done. Shit, fam. Um, <laughs> I, my name is Megan, and I'm here to tell you. I'll tell all you. I'm not doing the Tiger King meme. No, nope, we're not going there. Bad, bad, Megan. Um, hi, my name is Megan, and I'm telling Bill to stay off the blood and drugs because that is totally coke or meth. Um, this I'll is blood, <laughs> rabbit's blood. It is this is your brain on um, cool or your... kid stuff. <laughs> now I'm thinking about that fucking old ADV video. Anime isn't kid stuff. <laughs> if you're old enough to remember that, you get a discount with the AARP. Funny, um, you, should, funny you should mention that. I, was, I actually pulled up my copy of Kino's Journey to watch last night to fall asleep, and that was on there. If you qualify for the, if you if you know what that is you qualify for Weeb AARP. Um Oh, you make me No, so KG as Bill is a piece of shit. Um he makes Bill sound like such a douche canoe. And that's a good and that's a compliment. Um he was really convincing. I I remember uh some people were like I don't know how I don't know like people who were like sub only were like I don't know Bill doesn't sound that good. No, Bill sounds great. Uh, I think that it, his triumph, tr- his, the peak of his performance is episode f- four or five, where he's literally digging his nails into Legosi's back. Legosi's back. And Th- it that's is, episode four. Yeah, It's, ca- it's literally called Give It Your All. Give it your all and bleed on the stage. Um, that's gonna be a there's bitch no to cry- clean up. There's no crying in Drama Club. Um... <laughs> There's no crying in Drama Club. That's a lie. Everyone cries. That um, we do. But no, I think that KG did a really good job. Uh, I will say that the the most... He's like, dude, bro, but not in like the, the way that you would think. He sounds like every asshole on the internet who's like, don't put your politics into my anime. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, not the... the ver- he's not... He's a chud, which is a guy who thinks he's a quote-unquote Chad, but he's not. And the only line that actually genuinely weirded me out, and KG's delivery of it reminded me of every douchebag guy I'd ever heard talk about a woman in college, is when they're at, like, the McDonald's and he's talking about fucking his girlfriend. Uh, and he's talking and about he's the like, patterns and, and, on her ass. No, and he's like, yeah, but they always cry about, oh, the sex should be about the both of us and how I feel. Oh, that's such a pain. I should break up with her. But the stripes on her ass are so nice. And I'm just sitting there like, I have heard every fucking guy. I have heard this straight guy every time. And I want to go reach through my screen and punch Bill in his snout. I, I hate moving to, on from the. No, I hate to tell from, you this, but I, maybe Jet can also agree with me on this. But there are many guys who will brag about that when, even when there are no women around, especially when there are no women around, and we have to deal with that in our conversations, and we're not proud of it. Chuds. Yeah. They're called chuds. Um, going from the worst boy to the best boy, yes. Ben Diskins is adorable as Jack, and I love his little let when he sings the little Lego she song. Let Lego she. <laughs> He sounds like the human embodiment of a golden retriever, which Jack is. Also, B, I love the line. I love his delivery of when he finds Lugosi's rabbit porn. I'm holding it for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) 
And he's just like, like, just the whole, like, him freaking the F out, freaking the fuck out about it. It's like, oh god, I shouldn't judge, but... Legacy, if you're into weird shit, you can tell me. And Legacy <laughs> just kicks him in the chest, which is pretty much the same reaction I would have to like Lilac finding my boy, my BL under my bed. So, uh, <laughs> a, um, a, a good friend. You can tell a good friend if they are supportive of your porn. I actually had a roommate back in my freshman year of college, and that was when everyone was turning 18. So, I actually had a friend who took us to go get our first porn when we turned 18. That That's is a, a good, good friend. friend. My first college roommate was a psychopath who would watch her boyfriend sleep over Skype. Okay. I'm sure that they're both in a healthy relationship right now. I, I, mm, uh, I will tell you guys stories of my first college roommate after this because holy shit. Thank you. Um, and then, oh, Lauren Landa as Juno. Uh, Lauren Landa's always been one of my favorite English actresses. I've loved her ever since, um... Annie and Attack on Titan, and Nora and Noragami. Uh, we all know how I feel about her as Kyoka, Kyoko in <laughs> March Comes In Like a Lion. The less I revisit that, the better. Uh, she is absolutely perfect as Juno, and she plays her so innocently. And she really lives up to the name of her character. Juno is known for being the two-faced god in Roman mythology. That's the one. Um... And she has, Lauren nails that two-face aspect to her. She is very, very much the, the ideal of the, the performer versus the actual person towards Legosy and the crowd and stuff. She is the sweet, innocent, naive girl who, I love in her introduction when she's getting picked on for being a wolf. And she's like, I have to learn how to deal with that. That was and not so that, sad. and you're and you're like, oh, I feel so bad for you. And then you get to the scene with her and Lewis, which is charged with with sexual tension. <laughs> like there is nothing un there is nothing unhorny about about Juno. <clears throat> she wants Legacy Insider, whether he wants to or not. Again, it's true she though. She wants the knot. She wants to tie the knot in more ways than one with oh Legacy. Oh my god, I, I was hoping we'd go through this whole episode without it reference. <laughs> did you have to go there? Yes, I did. She wants to be the Omega to his Alpha. She wants to, she wants his heart to swell, his heart and his dick to swell inside of her. Um, I'm sorry, I'm bringing up dog, I'm bringing up dog anatomy. Y'all can fight me. Um... You literally reminded me of a horrible uh, CGI movie called Alpha and Omega that no one should ever remember. Aren't there like six of those? Don't remind me. Saber Spark remembers. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't like that channel. Sorry. Oh, I, sorry. There's not a whole lot of uh, great wolf puns you could have made, but you had to pick the worst ones out there. Rip. My bad. Um. But no, Lauren was was great in this. I was so happy that it was her that she revealed. Because I remember in that original trailer, they didn't announce who Juno was, and then she had to be like, "Yeah, it's me." And I was like, "Oh my god, they couldn't have gotten they had they like they got the perfect person." Mm -hmm. So I I absolutely adored it. Fantastic. Moving on to best boy Jet, tell us a little bit about these three uh, wonderful animals. I'm sorry, these two wonderful animals and one douchebag animal. <laughs> okay, uh, so I suppose I will start with the good animal, that being Ben Diskin. 
so while uh, so while I was a initially a little disappointed that he didn't do the obvious thing and cast in bed as legacy, I was uh, definitely pretty glad he was somewhere in this dub. And, so, mm-hmm. and, so, and uh, it was definitely nice hearing him as Jack. Uh, he definitely had he definitely brought the right amount of energy to the character. Uh, he did a great job of you know making Jack sound very upbeat and just perpetually happy, very much like a golden retriever. And, so like, and, like, and he's just, you know, very supportive of Legacy, so I'm like, always looking out for him, you know, even when Legacy's just kind of screwing around. Like, and I definitely did get a really good kick out of the bit where he found Legacy's rabbit board and he just really isn't sure how to react to it. But he still wants to be very supportive of Legacy, and when Legacy finally does spill the beans, he's not like... He's not, like, super weirded out by the idea of Legacy being attracted to a rabbit. He's like, you know what? You do you, man. And that's what you're into. That's okay. And he's, like, one of the first people who's like, oh, yeah, Legacy, you're definitely in love. And, so, and I, I thought that was very nice. Um, nice. Okay, and uh, then in contrast, um, Casey and Sony the Tiger here uh, was... Uh, <laughs> 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 okay, okay, this was really very mean to Tony the Tiger. Tony the Tiger is a good boy. Hey, hey, tell... If you know anything about Tony the Tiger's Twitter page, you know that that tiger has suffered way more than he deserves. There, no absolutely. Been... Thanks, Twitter, for ruining things for everybody. <laughs> leave the tiger alone. Leave Tony alone. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, KG uh, did a really good job of making Bill just sound like a complete suck-up jerk. Uh, like I want to say, like every dude bro I've ever met, but he definitely did have, but he definitely did give off that vibe. Now, he very much is a guy who thinks he's a Chad, but uh, he's definitely not. He wants you to think he's the most important guy in the room at all times, especially during the especially during the bit where he takes over Louis for the play and then boggles it really badly because he overacts too much. And I was like, and I definitely did appreciate that you could really tell he was being directed to overact. I thought that was a very nice touch. It's like, as I add, when everything fails for him, uh, that I, I thought he did a really good job of knowing that too. As I add, as I, and then, you know, just all his little interaction with Legacy and how they kind of contrast where, whereas Legacy is, you know, like very reserved about his whole carnivore nature and doesn't really like it. Bill is, for like, Bill is a carnivore and he's very, and he is clearly very proud of it. He is definitely mm-hmm. not ashamed of who he is, no matter how much he probably should be. Okay, he was like, even when he's doing things like literally trying to eat a dude's finger. He was just offering it. It, it was right there. He had a price tag on it and everything. Yeah. Uh, but even if that bad, like Megan was saying, I think the highlight for Casey's performance was definitely the bit in episode four where he's like literally tearing into Legacy. And it's like the first time where Legacy is just kind of like forced to directly confront his nature and how kind of hypocritical he's being about it. It's like and like and as much as Bill sucks, you can kind of tell he does like maybe have a little bit of a point, and that kind of you know drives Legacy's character for the rest of the show. And I thought that was a pretty good scene. Uh, I definitely didn't like this character, but uh, Casey did a very good job of it, regardless. And then lastly, moving on to Juno. Uh, it's been a little while since the last time I heard Lord Land in anything, and uh, I'm definitely happy to see her getting more work because she's a really great actress and she is really great here. Uh, when we first meet Gino, you know, she seems very sweet and unassuming, and Lord does a really good job of making, of, you know, playing her with all the innocence of a harmless little lamb. I mean, but of course, you know, she's clearly very, very horny for Legacy. And definitely got a good <laughs> bit out of the, and definitely got a good bit of that whole, I definitely got a good kick out of that whole bit where she's just fantasizing about her and Legacy being a couple. And Lord just really sold how bad she's got it. 
but like Megan, but like Megan was saying, as sweet as Juno might seem, she's definitely a lot more cunning than her peers would have me believe. And uh, she's definitely not above making subtle threats to get her way, or uh, slightly manipulating legacy to her own ends, because uh, as much as she's into him, she's also very into the idea of changing the perceptions of carnivores. And it does seem like she maybe sees him as a means to get that done, which I think is a very interesting aspect of her character. And I think that Lauren handles all those Zucker aspects of Juno really well, too. And I definitely got some minor chills out of that bit where she kind of mocked Louie for thinking she was going for thinking she was going to kiss him when she could just as easily devour him instead. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not totally sure what the end goal for her character is, since I feel like we're a little too early into the story for that. Uh, but I definitely find her pretty fascinating so far, and Laura's definitely helped out a lot with that, so uh, good on her. And that's why I like that character, too, is because it, it's not just the stereotypical uh token girl written in to have a crush on the main character it feels like there's a little more dynamicism to her which could be tied into yeah the growing up being uh mistreated because she's a carnivore and yeah that's something that i I like that this show addresses on is the fact that in you know a, a not so great racist culture there's uh people who get um not blackballed not what's the word i'm looking for where you're uh, mislabeled just because of what you're born as. And that entire aspect of it is tied in with her romance to the point that, like, I I, I kind of wish that she would get with Legoshi. I, I get where Gigi's coming from and saying that she's the best girl because she's just got a little more th- to like about her, I think, than Haru. Even though Haru's got things to like about her, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of on Team Juno in this regard. You can, you can fling your knives and forks and spoons at me, but yes, I'll be on Team Juno. Now, let's begin on the, the voice acting itself. Um, pretty much what you guys all said. Uh, Lauren's uh, transformation, going from uh, more timid, scared, being bullied by a guy who, uh, by um, I, I will reference this. This she gives us the best two seconds of animation in the show. It's uh, the two guys are bullying her because she's a wolf, and then they walk away when Lego. She kind of intervenes, but before they go, the the bald eagle character just kind of looks at the camera and goes, and then walks away. Okay, okay, and, okay, and here I thought you were going to reference the scene where she's chasing after Haru. <laughs> that was, I'm not a furry, Beastars chasing after you. <laughs> Pretty much. That, that's a very wholesome meme. I'm glad that she got to give us that meme. So thank you, Haru. But yeah, Lauren's performance of this uh, captures a lot of the nuances of the character. And again, a little more dynamicism that this really should have keyed me into the fact that this was a manga written by a woman. Because at first I thought the the kind of horny elements of it were like a little more male centric. But as it was going along and we saw more of the male characters in half dressed forms and we saw more dynamic female characters, it kind of shifted my mentality on that. So yeah, Lauren... Good job on her performance as Juno. Keiji Tang is... It, he's got a little bit of a growl, and he's kind of on the doofier side of speaking that definitely plays up uh, more of the aggressive side when he's uh, coked out of his mind on rabbit's blood. Um, I, I kind of thought that maybe some of the content for this would be a little too extreme for what high schoolers would be going through, but then again, I, I was in a more laid-back high school, so maybe I just went to the wrong schools where people were having sex and shooting rabbit's blood all the time. So maybe that's just a problem on me. But regardless, Keiji's performance was uh, indeed very terrifying. And that's a good thing? That is all a good thing? Uh, what his uh, uh, When he takes the lead 
uh, throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I kind of thought maybe he is a good guy in this because, you know, he's clearly trying to help Louis when he's distraught over not being able to perform in the second half and he's trying to do good by him. But as that episode goes on and we see his, uh, he's very full of himself and then we see later on how he interacts with the black market, it, it very feels like it's supposed to be a dark reflection of what Legoshi could be if he allowed himself to give in to his instincts or if he didn't see anything wrong with acting like that. And Keiji's performance is honestly a little mellow. Um, like, I, this is the one performance where I feel like they could have played up the animalistic side of it just a little bit. They could have made it a little gruffer. Or they could have had him be a little uh, wilder sounding. But honestly, if you didn't see that the character was a tiger by the animation, he could have easily just been a chud in a live action performance. Which, again, it's not a bad thing. It's just something I would have changed up to make him more of a contrast to Legoshi's voice. Speaking of Legoshi's voice, um, Legoshi, which we'll get to in one minute, is a more dour character. Um, and that's what his voice acting requires. Which is why I'm kind of glad that Ben Diskin did not get this performance. Because, I'm sorry, but Ben Diskin is just so perky. He's just He's got such a happy voice, even when he's trying to be upset. Like, that scene in the Agretzko Christmas special where he's... No, not in the Christmas special. In the second season, where he finds out Agretzko got a, a boyfriend... And we find out he's just like, like he's zonked out of his mind on booze and he's supposed to be miserable. He just still sounds so upbeat. So Ben is just really good at doing that. And he does that with Jack in the show as well. He's a very upbeat, good, tail wagging, singing boy. It's just He's such a pal. And that's why I wanted to mention him in the show because I, I feel like that really did add some much needed support. Because aside from Jack, Legoshi doesn't really have... A support structure. Either people judge him and think they're going that he's going to eat them because he's a wolf, or they want him to go along with their carnivoristic ways. Is that even a word? Just because he's born a wolf. So yes, Jack was absolutely necessary to this endeavor. With that being said, we have time now to move on to our three main characters. All three of them, wildly different personality types, and interesting voice actors to talk about are we ready to move to the final three ladies and gentlemen yes yes yay mm -hmm. so all right so this final three we're going to talk about that you are seeing on your screen uh first we have louis the deer um yes louis i am pronouncing it louis not the way that it was pronounced or written in the was it the netflix descriptions that pr pronounced it louis <laughs> He's yeah, not, Ruiz and Hal. Not, oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that, too. So we got Ruiz, the deer, and Hal. I mean, Haru. It's it's Haru, people. Yeah, there's some... Mis I don't know what the proper term for this is. Okay, I mean, to be slightly fair to Netflix, like, that is what the official Japanese translation used, but business translation went with Ruiz and Haru, so that's what they should have used. They, they really should have. I don't know why they had the descriptions like that just like if they knew what the words were in the english dub they should have had it that way but i guess there was no connection between the people writing the descriptions and the people dubbing the show um but haru is a white dwarf rabbit who is the main female character of the show and um through um basically being thought of to be less equal to others throughout her whole life she finds a reprise from that in being promiscuous with others uh she claims that having sex with men is the one time where they don't treat her as helpless they treat her as an equal 
and because that appeals to her damaged psyche, that's where we see her in the show. And the very best of boys in the whole show, we have our main wolf, Legoshi. And he is he is just the most adorable... Uh, he's a sophomore. He's a high school sophomore wolf who is trying to cope with wanting to devour Haru throughout the whole thing. We see his internal monologue. We see him fighting against it. And throughout the whole thing... If you don't love him by the end, I'm sorry, but your soul is just a dried ball of burnt potpourri burnt to a black crisp. Damn. So the performances of these are performed by two slight newbies and one veteran. Louis is being voiced by Griffin. I'm going to. I'm going to. He told us how to pronounce this correctly, but I believe it's Puatu. Griffin Puatu, who is a relative newcomer to the scene, uh, has only been. Uh, I'm sorry, into anime. He may have been doing acting or voiceover uh, in other productions, but as far as voice acting goes, he's only been in a handful of things. Uh, he is Jonah in uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Narrative. He is Wu Pang in Forest of Piano second season. And he is Taichi in Isarei Cheat Magician. Those are all... Isakai. Is it Isakai? Yes, is, yes. Isakai. Yeah, Isakai. Isakai. Sorry. I mean, um, like, okay, if you don't know how to Isakai. pronounce Isakai, uh, you're, you're doing Labyrinth than Resonance, man. No, no, it's not that. It's that I, here's my, when I write my notes, I write it on paper and my K turned into an R because my writing is so small. I'm sorry. Isakai oh, cheat magician. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Take my otaku okay. badge. I have to re-earn it. Um, speaking of uh, having to earn things, Haru is voiced by... <laughs> Laura, Wait, what? Laura Jill Miller, who is a name that it's a voice that you have probably heard before because she has been around for quite a while and not just in voice acting. She's been like a theater person for quite a while as well, like since she was very young. Um, but to remind you of some things that you may have heard her in before, um, Jet, how did you pronounce her role in Scryde? I think it was uh, Charisse. Charisse. Okay. Yeah. She's Charisse in Scryde. Um, if you're a fan of Digimon, uh, the original series, you've heard her as Kari. But you've probably heard her, if you're more of a Western animation fan, you've heard her as Lambie in Doc McStuffins. And Fink in OKKO. Yeah, she's done quite a bit of Western work as well. But this is the first anime she's done in 10 years, actually. So I'm very glad to have her back. But one who is also a new, kind of a newbie to the anime scene, again, may have done voiceover or acting in other productions before, but kind of new in anime voiceover, is Legoshi's voice actor, Jonah Scott. Um, if you've heard her, heard him in anything before, you may have heard him as Lahito in Kerrigan Ashura. You may have heard him in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wing as Formaggio. Or you may have heard him in the second season of One Punch Man as Phoenix Man. That is a lot of roles to go over. And Jet, I would like your input on Louie, Haru, and Legoshi. Okay, um, I guess I will start with Louie. Um, so I've heard Griffin uh, Puatu in other roles in smaller stuff. Uh, this was probably my first real introduction to him as an actor, and honestly, I was really impressed. Uh, what I immediately liked about him as Louie is that Griffin just gives the real sense of presence and that, you know... He's a guy that everyone else looks up to in that he runs a school and uh, he pretty much wants everyone to know it. Uh, mm -hmm. Whenever Louis is in public, Griffin does a really great job of making him, you know, sound very refined and composed. While also having just enough edge to him that you'd think twice about crossing him. 
but as we learn around episode three, and as we see more as the show goes on, uh, that edge is mostly a facade to hide the fact that Louis is terribly, and I mean, like, terribly afraid of being seen as powerless. And whenever Louis does drop his guard a bit, Griffin is just as effective as getting across his vulnerabilities. As well as all of this, he became to feel towards carnivores like Legacy, who had the kind of strength he lacks, and, you know, also because of, uh, you know, all, all the stuff he went through during his childhood where he was, uh, and where uh, he was uh, kind of uh, being sold as a slave to be eaten. Uh, that was uh, definitely a backstory there. Which I'm not, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it didn't seem like a sex slave thing. It seemed more like a we're going to cook you and eat you kind of slave thing. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, speaking of Legacy, uh, the dynamic between the two of them was really interesting. And uh, it was kind of fascinating to see that as much as Louis tries to maintain a level head at all times, uh, pretty much everything about Legacy kind of pushes his buttons. And we see a lot of more of his real personality whenever they're alone, which I thought Griffin handled really well. And uh, Griffin is also really great at showing, showing a lot of Louis' strengths and his weaknesses. Uh, but I think it's those moments of weakness that really stood out to me, both during the stage play where he's kind of desperate to hide his injury from the audience. And of course, when he stops after seeing Legacy save Haru while well, he kind of hesitated to, and then he just straight up kills the lion in response. And <laughs> Can we talk my, about favorite amazing... shown... Reverse... my favorite shonen superpower, gun! <laughs> <laughs> Can we just talk about amazing reverse Bambi? Finally, after 80 years, Bambi got his revenge. Dang. <laughs> yeah. You cannot convince me that wasn't an intentional uh, reference. Well, who knows, it might have been. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of really interesting layers to Louis, and while I wasn't like a really big fan of him in the first few episodes, uh, the more we learned about him, the more I kind of fell for him, and I thought that Griffin handled every unraveling of his character with a lot of finesse. And while I might not have known about Griffin before watching Beastars, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for him in the future because he's really fantastic here. And I really hope his career really gets better from here. And uh, moving on to Haru, in contrast, uh, on a list of voice actors who I never expected to hear in anime again, Larry Joe Miller was honestly pretty high up there. It's been Again, it's been at least a decade since the last time she was in something. And uh, it's kind of a shame because putting aside my childhood nostalgia for her work as Kari and Digimon, uh, she did a lot of great work in her day, so I was really shocked to see her cast in here. And definitely glad she was, because she was honestly really fantastic. Uh, while her kind of childlike voice seems like it would be a weird match for Haru at first, given, you know, that Haru really gets around a lot. Uh, it kind of works in selling the idea that most carnivores and most men in general kind of see her as, you know, very weak and vulnerable. In contrast to how jaded she is towards life. I thought that Larry did a really good job of selling that contrast, whether it's in talking about her dealings with men or, you know, attempting to set up to the girls who harass her over it. And I thought that Larry's overall tone gives the impression of someone who, uh, kind of like Louie, wants to appear strong while hiding how vulnerable they really are. And uh, we see those vulnerabilities first come out when, you know, she's around Louie since he was one of the rare few people who kind of made her feel safe. And uh, when we see that he doesn't exactly uh, reciprocate those feelings, uh, Lara does a really good job of selling how much that kind of beats away at Haru. And uh, it's also kind of interesting to see her behavior there in contrast to how she is in to how she is with Legacy. Uh, where at first she isn't like totally sure how to act around him, and Lara does a really good job of handling that awkwardness kind of well. Uh, but as we, but as she sees that Legacy doesn't you know see her as an object or helpless like a lot of the other men in her life. 
Uh, she does kind of start to open up a little bit more, and Lara does a really great job of making her sound a lot more relaxed compared to how she is with everyone else. And uh, Lara has a lot of really solid moments throughout the dub. But the scene that completely won me over on her performance was definitely during the mini-arc where Haru gets kidnapped, and uh, where she's kind of doing that whole internal confession about how she's always hated being seen as weak and small, and how her sex life was kind of the only means by which she could feel strong. Uh, it's definitely something that I'm uh, certain a lot of other women could probably relate to when Lair's performance during that segment felt very sincere. And it endeared me to Haru even more than I thought was possible. And uh, while I admit there were probably maybe a couple of times where I thought Lair had a shaky line read or two, on the whole I thought she'd brought one of the strongest performances to an already strong dub. And I really hope this won't be the last of her return to anime because honestly I really did miss hearing her. Indeed. Yeah. And then, uh, lastly, with Jonah Scott, uh, like Griffin Puatu, this was pretty much my first major introduction to Jonah Scott as an actor. I had heard about Formakia with Golden Wade, and I thought he sounded pretty good there, but Formakia also died in, like, three episodes, so I didn't have enough time to form a very solid opinion of him. Uh, thankfully, Legacy like, doesn't die, or at least not in this batch of episodes, uh, so I'm happy to say that Jonah Scott was really good here. Uh, right off the bat, he does a really good job of selling Legacy as an extreme introvert, and he, he gets across how down and depressed he is about life, and without getting too over the top of it. And as an introvert myself, I can definitely relate to some of that self-loathing if, you know, maybe not to something about wanting to eat my classmates. And mm. uh, the fact that he has a lot of natural strength that he didn't really ask for kind of puts him in, again, in contrast with Louie, who kind of has none. Especially with Haru, who's always kind of hated being seen as weak or as someone to be exploited or protected. And uh, putting aside the awkwardness of their first encounter, it makes Legacy's relationship with Haru kind of interesting. Uh, be- <laughs> that first encounter was... Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you, you were all looking at the, at the left side of the screen, right? Ah, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so again, uh, it makes their relationship kind of interesting, since uh, much like how he was kind of the, since much, how, since much like how he was kind of the first guy she'd met who didn't see her as a sex object, she was also kind of the first girl he had ever met who kind of saw her as more of a guy instead of a threat, and uh, the process of, you know, him figuring out if he's attracted to her or just as hunting instincts or if he's really in love is a... Uh, definitely a pretty interesting one, and Jonah sells every bit of Legacy's teen awkwardness on the way there. And I appreciated that his performance can often be as funny as it is dramatic. And definitely got a big kick out of that scene where he and I were having lunch together and he's just having an internal panic attack trying to figure out the best way to ask her her name. Yeah. But as much as Legacy is a good boy and he tries to keep his darker instincts in check, and there definitely are some moments where his inner wolf comes out, and when it does, Judah can make Legacy sound downright terrifying. And seeing this sad wolf boy take out a full-grown lion was honestly as scary as it was cool. And uh, that was definitely one of the most visceral scenes in the entire show, which is uh, kind of saying a lot, honestly. Yeah, that's really where the CGI kind of shone the most. Like, they, they spice up the, the slice-of-life moments with, like, internal screenshots or silhouettes or split screens. But, they, yeah, they really do get to go out a lot with the fight scenes. Uh, yeah. Uh, if I had anything negative to say about his performance, it's that maybe the one-to-one translation for the dub script does kind of feel like it holds him back from cert- from sounding a little more natural in certain scenes. Uh, but again, that's not really on him, and on the whole, he's uh, definitely the highlight of this entire dub. And if anyone was going to take the furry crowd away from Ben Diskin, I'm really glad it was him. And I- 
Okay, okay there was no way I couldn't mention that. Like, ben Diskin no. literally handed him the furry crown. <laughs> I, it, no, I'm sorry. No one's going to be taking that crown away anytime soon. But... <laughs> uh, so again, if anyone's going to take that crown away, I'm glad it was him. And I really hope he gets a lot more work from here on out. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to point out that as much as people like to say that this that 2020 is the year of the furries or that anime turned furry this year, you people have not watched anything from like the last 30 years. There are literally dozens, and I mean dozens of anime out there that are all anthro characters, and I don't know why you people haven't seen them before. I watched Sherlock Hound with no shame, and so should you. Yeah, but Sherlock Hound wasn't a thirsty mess like this. That is true, and I kind of wish it was more like that. Like, if you've actually read the Sherlock Holmes books, like, Sherlock Holmes is like a cocaine addict. We could have used more of that in Sherlock Hound. That's a kid's show, sweetie. I'm just saying that, you know, if you want to be faithful to the source material. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, so, Gigi, um, similar thoughts about these three characters? Um, well, I'll start off by saying I've never heard any of these voice actors before, ever. And You're also, kidding me. no, I'm serious. Also, I don't have a best boy between Louis and Legoshi, so I'm very torn with how I feel about both of them, and it hurts me a lot. So I like to ship you, you, them you together. You know, Gigi, it, it, it's not necessary to have a best boy all the time. Sometimes you can just like them both. I mean, I feel like I always have to pick a side, but I just ship them together now, and it's fine. So. Here we go. Let's talk about the bunny first. Um, I'm the first to admit I don't get the casting choice here. Um, I was expecting something super cute and high pitched. And what I got was definitely like a lower, more gravelly voice. Um, But I sort of got the choice as the series went on um, because her Haru's personality isn't super cute. And it isn't really submissive. Um, so it adds to the surprise factor here, I think. Um, I don't know. Like, I told you at the beginning, I wasn't really a fan of Haru. Towards towards the end, um, I, I felt it more between, like, her and Legoshi. But I still don't know how I feel about them. We all know that Juno is best girl. Um, at that l- Again, we don't... We don't have to pit the girls against each other. Yes, I always have to. I have to have... This is how I roll. No clue. You know this. Um, I'm, I'm not... Again, I'm not against doing that as well. I'm, I feel bad doing it, but I can't help being on the Juno train as well. I know. Um, I did feel that Lara's performance got more feminine at that last love hotel scene between Haru and Legoshi and like I finally felt that she was kind of like playing up the more scared teenager submissive bunny role like I felt that it was kind of like less of the act of her trying to be super strong and be like yeah I'm a hoe so what so I was like okay whatever I almost felt that it sounded kind of fake but it wasn't like I think that's actually her like actually Haru so there was Mm -hmm. that um as for Louis I didn't really get Louis until I figured out that he was supposed to be based on Louis Vuitton and then I was like oh I get it now because I was a Louis Vuitton girl back in the day my Mm -hmm. my quest for my Louis Vuitton pink purse was like no other um I get 
like I got in the voice that he has to be a gentleman like on the outside but he has a troubled past that he's hiding um all the the scenes with Haru kind of broke my heart a little bit and I was like oh Louis like I, I get it now like that's the Louis I like not the Louis that's walking down the halls trying to act all GQ <laughs> um I did think that um what is this guy's name which one Louis L- L- uh, oh, oh his uh, actor yeah oh Griffin Griffin Huatu. okay I thought that Griffin's voice was a nice tonal contrast to Jonah's voice for Lego she like I thought they made a really nice pair to banter back and forth mm-hmm. with I thought that was really good in contrast especially because especially since Louis is supposed to be like all kind of like he tries to play it like he's very masculine and very in control and very aggressive while Legoshi is like the one in theory who's supposed to have all this aggression and then he doesn't have it I really like them together I like that they kabe down a lot and Louis grabs his tie and it's the best fucking thing that's the only thing that made me watch the show to begin with um, and then we go to Legoshi, who's based on Bella Lugosi, for those of you who didn't know that. And Bella Lugosi was an actor a long time ago, and he played Nosferatu and a bunch of other gothic kind of horror characters, which makes me happy on a nerdy other kind of level. Amon, I know this is where we go. All right. So um, <laughs> there's a part in the beginning where he's super like trying to not eat Haru. And I really thought that both sides of the performance sounded very similar to one another. Like, I couldn't really tell what was going on. I was like, is he talking to himself or is it a different actor? Mm-hmm. Like, it just sounded very similar to me. Um, the one thing I didn't really like about Lego She's um, in Jonah's performance was the internal monologues all kind of sounded, they get kind of tiresome after a while. I felt that it was kind mm. of like in a monotone that like really kind of made me tune out. Like as soon as he started having another internal monologue after like the first two, I was like, oh my God, can I just fast forward? Like he's just going to mm. freak out. And I get it because I also have like this anxiety thing and I know what he's going through in his head. Didn't make me want to listen to it any longer. Um, the Growly yeah. stuff was nice. Um, and by the end, I was kind of shipping him with the bunny. So he made me believe um, and he was very emo and sounded super depressed sometimes. And I was like, yep, that's my emo hot topic boyfriend, Legoshi. Everybody, let's go buy some black hair dye and some eyeliner and listen to Marilyn Manson a lot. And I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. I thought all of them had good performances. There were things I liked and didn't like about each one of them. But I think they all mesh really well together, which is what like the OT3 needs at this point. So... Um, hopefully in the second season a lot of it will get fleshed out i hope louis didn't die if he did i'm i'm not gonna mm. like season two if i understand the the manga itself i don't think that he died okay well don't tell me because i haven't read the manga i haven't either this is only going by spoilers i've been told all right well let's know no spoilers mega megune let's let's get it done uh, so I'll start with Griffin as uh, Louis. He had a, a great presence to him. Um, I think he made Louis sound very regal, very, but also very insecure in himself. Um, Louis is very much the ideal of the gifted student who's trying to hold his sanity together with like duct tape. Not even duct tape, scotch tape. Um, 
<laughs> and just the whole idea that his his public image is all that he has and he has to keep it up for if he ever was to let himself become weak again, he would become exploited by the system like he was as a child. To which, yes, I do actually think that is a metaphor for child sex trafficking. Yeah. Fight me. Um, uh, no, I don't think anyone wants to fight you on that one. <laughs> that is 100% child sex trafficking. Like, almost to an uncomfortable level if you live in the United States and keep up with current politics within the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. Let's go with that. Griffin handled it admirably. Um, I thought he was really great. This is my first introduction to Griffin as an actor. Unfortunately, I have not watched Isekai Cheat Magician because I don't hate myself. Um, whew! Lorja Miller's Haru. Boy, howdy. I want to talk a lot about Haru. And I think that Lorja, I think that Jet brought it up the best, which is her voice sounds uncomfortably childish. And that's kind of the point of Haru's character. And that's why Laura Jo Miller rocks it. Haru is this character that I think that a lot of people, this is okay. I don't know if any, I know Jet's probably seen this. I don't know if Gigi and Noah have ever seen it. It's this image of a Gundam and a guy looking at him and the Gundam shooting a bullet over his head and there, he's looking at it, and it just says, wow, cool robot. But in the arc that goes over its head, it's like all the political shit about Gundam. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a common template for people. Who, yeah, it's supposed to be you completely the, the, You're missing the point. Yeah, you're, you're... You're overlooking the point based on the visuals that are presented before you. Yes. Uh, so I have a huge media theory that Haru is like an absolute call-out of waifu culture. Okay. Um, in that the idea of... Even the way that Laura really talks about this in this beautiful kind of sad monotone where she's writing out her will and you can hear it in her voice. Well, it's like, well, record scratch freeze frame. Wonder how I got here. Right, guys. But in a less comedic tone where it's just like all of the people in the world see her as a child. They see her as something that you must be the we have to protect with the double C. And I do this too sometimes. Like, I genuinely do, and I, I know I'm part of the problem. Um, but it's this idea that there are these small, these quote-unquote small, cute characters that you infantilize and you child, you, you make them child. You child, you, like, childize them. You infantilize them. But at the same time, all of these guys who were infantili like infantizing her mm -hmm. also want to fuck her. That's and a, I think it's that, really like, telling that the first guy that she has sex with is a much older man. I mean, that's the entire concept of what Moe is. It's supposed to be Freudian, almost subversive, not subversive, um, subconscious infantilization and a sexual level. So, yeah, we kind of brought it full circle. They were just much more blunt about it because a lot of anime. Yeah, this is like over the head where it's like. So many people, oh, look, Haru's so cute and small, we have to protect her. And Laura has this child, like, this childish aspect to her where she sounds more like a middle schooler than a high schooler. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, But it, at the same time, it's, she's also using, I don't think Haru's a bad person for using sex as an escape and a way to feel valid. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I don't think anybody who, like, has a lot of sex is a bad person. Like, contrary to popular belief, like, most got if... If Haru was the villain of this show, in another anime, Haru would 100% be the villain character and Juno would 100% be the hero. Like, they're both more complex than what 
people give them credit for. Yeah, this is not Jolene anime edition. Yeah, like, in, in, like I think in a lesser show, like, Haru and Juno would be very black and white characters. Um, they are and black think, and white characters. You know what? Shut up. <laughs> um, I'm trying to make a point. And I think Laura gets that across. I also really like the part where she's yelling at Sheremy's rabbit and she's like, uh, you're like this, da 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 Ha! I guess I finally did scare them off. And then she turns around and then there's that awkward dinner scene. And I really like Haru a lot. And then let's talk about Diet Matthew Mercer. Um, uh, AKA Jonah Scott. Wait. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, did I miss a character here? No, Jonah Scott sounds eerily like Matthew Mercer at pe- at points of this show. Okay, I mean, I mean, hey, Matt Mercer also used to sound a lot like Troy Baker, so we just come full circle. <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> but no, I really like Jonah a lot. I thought Jonah was the best performance in the show. He absolutely brought it. Uh, I'd also like to point out that he also does a lot of shit with a, le- a wolf mask that looks like Lego scene. It's kind of amazing. Um, follow him on Twitter and Twitch. Um... But Jonah has the sense of, I when I heard the trailer for this, I was immediately alarmed that I wouldn't get on board with this performance because he sounded too old. But then again, everybody in the show except for except for Laura Jill Miller sounds like they're too old. So the playing field has been leveled. Um, <laughs> I think he gets a lot of uh, Lugosi's very socially awkward tendencies down. And I say this as somebody who dates a socially awkward wolf man. Um... <laughs> Roots of Justice even likened himself to Lugosi. I'm not making fun of my own boyfriend. Um, But I think that he gets across this idea that Lugosi is just that big, misunderstood, quiet guy. And when he's got to get animalistic, he can. When he's got to be brutal. But just getting awkward turtle down is something really hard for a lot of people. And portraying... (laughs) I haven't heard awkward turtle in a decade. I'm sorry. And portraying social anxiety, let alone, like, immense self-loathing social anxiety, is really hard to do no matter the language. So I really do applaud Jonah for his work. Excellent. So that's, um, I don't have a lot of things to add to that. Um, you guys really covered most of the talking points because, yeah, Griffin's uh, portrayal is too, is two-faced in the way that he puts on a braver facade out in public than he does to himself. Um, although I kind of think his his performance is almost threefold because he's got three faces. He's got talking to the performers individually and talking about how important it is to be a good performer. There is the happy PR face when talking to his fans or the newspaper. And then there is his internal self-loathing where he hates himself or he hates how weak he is. To, and he's talking to just himself. And on all three of those grounds, Griffin does a really good job, as long as you're okay with, like Gigi was saying, the uh, endless internal monologuing. And I feel like it doesn't bug most people because they can probably connect a little bit with that idea about trying to hide their less their lesser emotions, trying to appear stronger than they actually are. I, mean, I feel like a lot of us have gone through that. Or at the very least, it's not a stretch to understand how he, why he's going through that. And again, this has nothing to do with animals. Yes, deer are very weak animals, and yes, they can be taken out very easily, but this could also relate to someone's heart as well. So Griffin, good job on that. And it does act as a bit of a contrast to Jonah's performance as Legoshi, because he's really just a very adorable kind of person that a lot of us can probably relate to. And the thing is that I don't quite like that um, we have 
so much internal monologuing that, like you were saying, Gigi, is very similar to uh, how he's speaking out loud. But that's just kind of how the character is. He's not uh, bombastic or he's not very confident when he's talking to people normally. Like he's talking to Kai about uh, why all these people are in the drama club and he's, you know, he's very reserved and that's just how he is internally as well. He is essentially the TV trope, uh, what it says on the tin. But because Jonah has to carry that monotone voice, not it's monotone, it's not monotone, sorry. He has to carry that morose voice throughout the whole thing. It's done really well. Um, I don't really think that uh, many people can convey a similar low voice without becoming tired, but he's just really good at it. And I think a lot of it's tied to, like you were saying, Megan, the awkward turtle aspect of it. Um, there, we've all, we've seen the images of how he reacts in episode two when... I'm sorry, no, it's the beginning of episode three? Yeah, speaking of episode three... What, <laughs> what Lugosi sees, what Haru sees. There's uh, One of my favorites is two people just watching it and shouting out, Are we going to get to see that wolf? Dick! That is the best one. <laughs> it, it's so, I mean, yeah, it's a little mature. Like, it's maybe a little a little more mature than you would have been expecting for a melodrama. But honestly, it's it's tame enough visuals-wise that I don't think anyone should be offended by it. But it's just so adorable to watch. If that is any, if that's the selling point of the show, then good job on Jonah for, for selling it. And we get to see a little bit of change because he has like that, that spaz moment where he's saying, you should probably put your clothes on. I'm, I'm going to go now. Slams. I saw a titty. Sla- he didn't. He did not see titties because she was not. He n- almost saw titties. He, he almost saw bunny boobies, but he didn't. Probably more than he wanted. He to- almost saw her Easter eggs. <laughs> Thank- I didn't quite have the euphemism there. Thank you. Topical. Thank you. This, is no- this-, this is now an Easter episode. Thank you, Megan. And then there's Laura Jill Miller, who is honestly one of my favorite voice actresses all around. I've got, like, this small pantheon of favorite ones who are both really good actors and have distinct voices just from the way they speak. Like, you hear them in interviews or behind-the-scenes videos, and the way they speak is just very well-suited to engaging voice acting. Um, but this is very different than what I've heard Laura do in the past because it's it's lower um, it's a little more subdued, and she speaks with very clear syllables. She's still got that very distinct California way of pronouncing things, but it's a very more laid-back kind of voice. And I, I appreciate hearing that from her because that's, I mean, if we had the peppier Kari voice, then uh, that would kind of ruin the the tragedy of Haru's character. But she handles the dramatic moments really well, and I'm really glad to hear her back in this. Like I said, I hope that she we get to hear her in more productions even though she's doing a lot of really great western productions um the more we get to hear her the better and that brings us to the mark of the episode where we want to talk about our final thoughts um to keep this short and concise i'm just going to go round table on this whole thing here um megan tell me your final thoughts on b stars ah okay so um Final thoughts on the show is that this is a really, really great series to watch if you're a person who enjoys darker fantasy, social commentary, or just wants to see something really fucking cool. Um, The dub is great, but there are some issues with it. There obviously are translation and translation issues, 
that sleep seep over into the writing. Um, some of the performance, there's a bit of double casting, uh, but most of the acting in this is very well done. And Jonah Scott as Legacy is an absolute standout and should be on your radar uh, for other dubs this year, as is Griffin uh, Patau. I think I pronounced his name right. Um, Puatu. Puatu. Griffin Puatu. Uh, both of those gentlemen should be on your radar as uh, voice actors to watch in the coming year. Um, we'll see how much that holds up uh, for the dubbies, because there is another gentleman who is in a show that we are not talking about yet, and we might not get to for a little while because of the human malware. Um... That should also be on your radar, but uh, if you know the exact show that I'm talking about, you probably know the exact person I'm talking about. Um, but it is also nice to see a dub that has a lot of really great veterans like Keith Silverstein, Laura Jill Miller, KG Tang, um, uh, Kyle Haybear, and uh, Lauren Landa Damon in it, too. Like, it, this is a really well-rounded dub. Um, it's definitely worth... It, like, I want to say the dub is worth checking out, but... I think that the I don't think the dub is probably better than the sub. I, I I should probably watch the sub just to double doubly compare this, but this is a very good to great dub that has just some translation issues. Nice. Um, bring this over to Jet. Uh, yeah. So uh, B stars was a really really great show. I wasn't. I mean I mean I didn't totally doubt it was going to be worth the wait, but um, I def, but I'm definitely very glad it was. And I'm honestly kind of, and I'm definitely very glad that it seems to have been doing really well for Netflix despite the wait, because uh, we definitely seen what happens when uh, shows uh, don't do that well when Netflix holds them on, when Netflix holds on to them for like six months. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad this worked out. And uh, like Michael was saying, it's a, uh, like uh, it's really interesting. It's got a lot of drama, like some interesting social commentary, some uh, cool mystery elements, uh, and it juggles a lot of those elements very well. Uh, after the dub, uh, the dub is really strong. Uh, there are a lot of really great performances here. Uh, Jonah Scott and Griffin Puatu were really great. It was really nice hearing Clara Jim Miller in something new again. And uh, just and uh, the entire cast in general is just really well-rounded. There are a lot of really good casting choices in spite of some double casting here and there. Uh, the dub is held back a little bit by script issues that I do wish in translation was maybe like a little looser. Uh, but on the whole, it's a very strong dub, uh, one of the strongest things I've heard so far this year, and, um, it is definitely worth checking out. Thank you. So that's two for two on positive. GG, are we gonna break the streak? No, I think we'll, I think we'll stay in the streak. Uh, so I originally, this was not on my radar at all. Boyfriend was like, let's watch Beastars. I already watched the whole thing. And I was like, you fucking joking me? Why are you watching it again? (laughs) And so uh, we started watching it and we watched the first two episodes and I was like completely hooked on it. And I was like, well, okay, I have to go to bed, but you know, you, you know, we'll watch the rest of it tomorrow. And he's like, you can watch the rest of it without me. It's fine. Which I never do. I ended up watching all of it the next day without him. And then I called him and was like screaming on the phone about what everything that was going on and how all of my feelings were like there. And I was like, I was crying, blah, 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 whatever. So it's a really good show. If you like shoujo trashy romance without it actually being a shoujo trashy romance, 
Um, this is like for you because it's got the trash factor in there. It's got the cliffhangers of Gossip Girl. Like this is right up my alley without it actually being completely up my alley. It's like down the side dark alley that some people don't like to go to. But here we are in the furry shoujo trash zone and I'm all for it. Um, the dub was good. I had, I, I like it cause I didn't know who these actors were and that just made it better for me because I wasn't like mentally going through each performance with a fine tooth comb and like comparing it to other stuff that actors had done except for Lauren Landa who is amazing because I picked her out right away um but yeah I think because it's on Netflix there's like a nine out of ten chance that people will watch this dubbed or you could do what I did and put the subtitles on because the subtitles are not closed caption subtitles. They're the Japanese translation subtitles. So you can see the differences between the dub and the sub without actually having to watch the sub. Um, and you can decide for yourself which version you think you like better. Um, but I would watch this dubbed again. And in fact, I have. I've watched it three times so far. So 10 out of 10 B stars. That's dedication. Let, let it be known, people, that we, we're not just watching these shows willy-nilly for the podcast. Some of us put in the effort, the sweat, and the tears to make this happen. Speaking of sweat and tears, um, this is a show that I knew I was going to like from the first preview of it, and it did not disappoint. Um, I was really hoping that it would be, like it was, it was kind of like Zootopia, and I can say that because I looked at the timeline. Zootopia came out in early 2016. This show, this manga first came out in the fall of 2016. So if Zootopia was not like a, at least a launching ground for this idea as a manga, then I'll be very surprised. But it takes some of the concepts of an animal-based society and really plays around with it, asks a lot of interesting questions about it, and although it may just be science fiction for now, who knows, in a millennia or so, when we are wiped off the face of the Earth, this very may well be what the people, not the people, the animals surviving are going through. That, with the dub, it's not really something that I have any qualms with. Um, no one exactly gets a standout performance as far as, like, um, I, I don't know if uh, this is the kind of show that a char an actor is going to have this tied to them forever because of there being like a lot of over-the-top melodramatic scenes or lines exactly, but everyone is very solidly directed throughout the whole thing. And if this is the kind of thing that does give Jonah or Griffin um, like their foot in the door for other casting directors or other producers to want them in other productions and therefore gets more eyeballs on their work, I say absolutely great. Because sometimes people's first foray into voice acting may not be the best quality they're very fortunate that this just happens to be a very high quality show and it's probably the first that got several of us to notice their work along with uh, a couple of their newbies as well thank you uh, bob and megan for bringing in both newbies and veterans alike to put this all together and with that i think we can safely say that um sub or dub whichever you go with b stars is well worth the watch um we're lucky that a second season has been confirmed we say confirmed because uh it was said see you in season two at the very end of the very yeah last it is episode. confirmed like they are actually yeah, yeah i think yeah 2021 yeah so it, yeah we're gonna have to wait a little while but that's okay because you know it's not like there aren't a hundred 
thousand other anime out there that you have not watched yet. Like me, I've got a huge backlog that Megan needs me to watch, and I have to watch Hunter Hunter. Jet, do you have any shows that I need to that you think I need to watch? Um, nothing comes to mind right now. But literally, as soon as we finish this, I'm gonna watch a new Digimon. <laughs> <laughs> The completionist in me probably will watch. I might, well. I'm probably gonna go watch Toonami if my cable isn't cut. So <laughs> yes. I will let you get do that. So um, as you know, um, uh, this is the dub. Talk oh, it's time for it's time for Sword Art Online to end again, which means how much dumb shit are we gonna watch? Did you watch Gun Gale Online? I have not watched Gun Gale Online, but I've been watching Alicization, and let me tell you, it is fucking stupid. Um, Excellent! I can't wait to watch it. Uh, so just get the plugs in here. This is the Dub Talk Podcast. Um, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Redo this. <clears throat> so if you would like to watch Beastars and you don't have a Netflix account, go find a friend who has one because I guarantee you, if you throw a rock in your neighborhood, someone's got a Netflix account that they can let you borrow to watch this. Um, I don't know what Netflix is charging right now. I'm paying five ninety nine because I've had it for years. I'm sure it's like twenty ninety nine by this point. But that's where you can watch this show. Or you can read the manga that uh, Viz Media should be releasing, dot, dot, dot. Uh, uh, yes. there's, seven, yeah, there's 17 volumes of the manga out there. Um, wait, is it volumes or chapters? No, it is volumes. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's 17 volumes in Japan. So hopefully we will be getting those translated as they come out. So, with that being said, though, here on the Dub Talk Podcast, if you'd like to follow us, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, you know, smash that notification bell. Uh, ring the other thing. I don't know what YouTube is making us do anymore, but I, I do know that if you would like to follow us here, we would really appreciate it. We recently passed 3,500 subscribers, and we are aiming to uh, extend that even further in the coming year. Um, and we also would like to give a big thanks to our patrons, which I have to pull that list up. Give me a second. I have it. I can do it for you. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Alright, so thank you to our $5 patrons, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, and Nico Robin, but with Yowie hands. And our $10 tier, Crimson Echidna, Carly Lustical, Jacob Wilson, J2, aka Jariad, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, and Weeby. You guys are all awesome. Thank you very much, and we hope that this was well worth the time. Oh yeah! Speaking of Weeby, they do a cover of this with it's Jonah really Scott. good! Awesome! I'll have oh, to cool. go check that out after this because that is that uh, that and bleh, that opening is awesome. So is the ending, by the way, too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, 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 actually, I'm pretty it, sure there's more than one. Mm, uh, both of them are actually pretty good. It, it took me a long time to watch the ending. You know why? Because Netflix skips it automatically. Because fucking Netflix doesn't give you more than ten seconds to hit the watch credits button. It took me, like, half the show before I was able to, like, shoot, push, butt, put, fuck, fuck! And then I was able to watch it. But, yeah, it is a good ending. Um, so, that, with that being said, uh, finally, Megan, GG, Jet, plug, uh, Megan, go first and plug yourself. Hi, my name is Megan. You can follow me at Queener2, where I post on the daily and talk about how much I love my boyfriend. Jet. Uh, hi, I'm Jet. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitters uh, at DivineDigger, where I will usually be uh, talking about cartoons or politics or something, I don't know. Uh, you can also find me on my blog at Animation Infinity, where I will like sometimes be writing things. I'm currently uh, working my way through the spring season and writing uh, my impressions on shows that are coming out, so uh, that'll be a good time, I guess. And GG. What's happening? My name is Gigi. You can follow me on Twitter and on YouTube at Anime Palooza, where I post videos twice a week about 
merchandise and anime stuff and Udapri and I talk a lot about boys. I also have two other podcasts if you want to follow those, the Shoujo Trash Showdown and the Anime R&R Podcast, where, as the names imply, I talk about Shoujo Trash and anime. Yeah. My name is Noah Clue. You can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue, where I post um, content. Basically, when you got cute kids, you post pictures of them. And if you got opinions on cartoons, I would like to post that as well. And I also have a YouTube channel, which is Journey Traveler. Been scripting some stuff for stuff, but honestly, with, um, you know, it's kind of a, there's no schedule. It's a, if I can post something there, I will. But I will revolutionize the cartoon industry. I will be the best cartoon channel, even if it takes till the end of the century. We will get there. And that's the end of the episode, folks. Everyone howl to the moon and say, have a wonderful night. Ow, ow, ow. Ow. Right, who wants to go get some rabbit's blood? My treat. No way, man. I want cake. Itchy, where's my bunny? I love you, Roots. You're not. A, you're as just as cute as Lego C. Yeah, hey, I got that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> love your faces. Thanks for listening, guys. Aloha and otaku on, my friends. And remember, kids, always tie the knot safely. Fuck! <laughs> I don't even know what that. Gigi, can I explain this to you? Stop. Stop recording and I'll explain it to you.